Hello, everybody. It's your old friends of Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Woo! I'm joined by my uh, my colleagues, as ever, Neil and Burkbot, to uh, run down uh, what's happened in the world of football, whilst also drinking some very cheeky pints at the same time. You know, and <laughs> our class. They can't our class. Um, That's such a line. And- you have that as the tagline to the episode and all future episodes. Can't our class. I actually have it as a tag for um for the um for the Spotify. So have, have it for each have it for each individual award and the phrase itself. Yes. <laughs> I'll do that kind of thing where like every like first like letter of the blurb was just say can't our class. Yeah, we'll rickroll them proper yeah. slightly. There you have it. Exactly. So nevertheless, lads, um again, it hasn't been uh, that long since we've spoken to you last, but um football continues to trundle on relentlessly until it burns everybody up in its uh, in its wake. Um, have we enjoyed Manchester City's inevitable run to the title? Which one? Oh, fair point. Um, both. Yeah. No, for either of them. I don't know why I asked. Yeah, exactly. Why make that distinction when the answer was the same? No. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I just... Look, we always said that the only team that... The, the team that would win this league season is the team that could put together anything resembling consistency and despite all of the many billions of odds <laughs> mm. um, Manchester City have decided to go on a quite literal record breaking uh, winning streak right at the right time yes um, right after a COVID break oh, absolutely yeah yeah oh of course in all fairness like it is kind of tongue in cheek because their main striker got COVID and is still out with it Yes, um, very much so. And they haven't had the Milky Bar kid pulling the strings for quite a long time. So and, uh, Kyle Walker's currently um, chained to a radiator for his own goods. Yeah, or maybe that's what he's into. I mean, that's his latest kink, you know? He makes out sure with... He has radi- at least more. He has more he than one. Out, he makes out with radiator people from the radiator planet. Mm. Uh, I think that's, that should be the question, the central question we ask now in this podcast <laughs> is what fetish Kyle Walker has and currently nice has. And this week we'll just we'll just draw from a random deck of cards. This week he's into 14th century philosophers. Ah! <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's just mad because of all the people to step into the kind of void, the goal scoring void. You think mm. Phil Foden? Now he's been good, but he's not been that good. You think maybe Raheem mm. Sterling? He always wanted to be a forward, but no, it's not him. It, who is it? It's it's Ilki Gundogan. Yes, of course. <laughs> the else? one man that, whenever he was on the team sheet, everybody went, oh, we're going to lose this one. He's playing Gundogan. I was like, what? For five years, four or five years, I don't know how long he's been at City. He's been like the the totem pole of all City fans are because they just think he's too backward thinking. He's too defensive. Like mm. they never get anywhere with him, and now he scored twelve goals in fifteen games in all scored this season, is he not? <laughs> and you just they're thinking like, "Fuck, he might get Player of the Year." Like he player, should get Player of the Year. I, I think he's blown everyone else out of the water. Like fuck off. Him in my fantasy football team, I think at the start of this. Why nobody has him? That's why his price is so low. He's only five million quid, and he plays for. Yeah. The defenders are higher right than him. But then he, he wasn't being played at all. And I was like, I'll get rid of him. And, and now I'm raging because I, I can't. 
and I was like, I like the, I was like, oh, I'll put him back into the team. I'll put him back into the team. And then I was like, oh, he's not going to repeat that performance that he's yeah. just done. And then he keeps doing it. It's, it's ridiculous. So he's yeah. had like, he's, no, he's had 12 goals. Sorry, I'm looking it up. 12 goals and two assists in all competitions in the last 15 games. That's just mental shit. Like, yeah, it's huge. It's a goal game. It's a goal involvement a game. Mm. For the last 15 games. Now, granted, this is the Premier League, so 15 games could be like two weeks. True. <laughs> so, like, but, like, even then, still, like, you're sitting there going, like, fucking hell. Like, where, yeah. how did he, who, what? Like, it's just mental. Like, the one thing I'd say about City is, like, I think, I don't want to say the reason they're winning. The reason they're winning is because they've, they've after like, clicking something into that team. And it's it's kind of working into whatever, what Guardiola's wanted to do with for years, which is just not play any actual strikers. Just work with six forward players and well, I've, make, I've, let them, let them work it out themselves. Yeah, I did say earlier on that, like, Guardiola did... Didn't he once ultimately say that his perfect team was a team of 11 midfielders? Yeah. That's exactly what he that's said. All, yeah. That's all he he's said that when he's Barcelona. Yeah. If you could, yeah, if you could get a team of like eleven, like prime midfielders, and just mm. teach one how to catch balls, like teach, get the tallest one and teach yeah. him how to catch, <laughs> and stick that fucker in goal, like and that's it, like that. But that's that's, that's what he's that's, that's what he's done in his old team. Like Barcelona, he switched Mascherano to defense. No, Joe Montemoro wants he wants to play with eleven players. <laughs> That's his dream. Full stop. Yes. <laughs> That's it. 11 players, and then the bench is made up of, like, the backroom staff. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, but like, you know the thing is... Like, every week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no fucking shit. I, I'm honestly thinking they'll be doing trials for the bench next season. For yeah, we've got a chance. We've got a fucking chance. So, and now for a seventh spot on Subs bench... Megan from Norwich, come on down. Ah, I only applied because my highlights took time to dry, but fuck it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, talking woman. Right, she is always on a rocket home, a hat trick against Reading or something like that, you know? <laughs> I'm telling you, Megan from Norwich is a serious player, ah, lads. You know, she fucking player. That owns that right flank. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's... Yeah, but, but, no, um, no we, we don't enjoy it. But um, in all fairness, it's better than United winning it. Yes. Um, it's, better than, it's better than, quite shockingly, at the beginning of the season, people were thinking Spurs could win it. It's far better than that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, and it's far better than the Chelsea winning it. Yeah. Well, let's, let, let's go down the table then, in that case. We were talking about Man City there. And currently... After beating Everton 3-1 in midweek, they now have a 10-point gap over their nearest rivals, Manchester United. How the fuck, like, Everton, like, that was such a bad game. Like, yeah. like that's where, like, I don't understand why Everton, like, I don't want to pile in on Pickford because, fuck me, that's like... I told you in a small arms. That's, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a line that goes around the corner. Now, go, don't get me wrong, like, Mares is shot, he had more chance of getting... Oh, on. oh that was fucking beautiful. He, he was n- going nowhere near that. And for, was it the first goal was the header at the back post where his defence just decided, nah, we're not going to mark this guy. So oh. when your defence completely, like, ignore, when your defence deserts you like that, you're kind of, like, you're up against it. Mm. But, like, 
the fucking I think it was the Gundogan goal. Yes. The, or no, the Bernardo Silva goal. Was it Silva? Fuck. Well, the first goal was Gundogan. And that was the one you were talking about there where he was just like, he was left completely unmarked. The Bernardo yeah. goal was where he kind of went across goal. But instead yeah, of actually going far side, he hit him It was right Silva goal. Right now, the yeah. thing is, is that like, you can say one thing about like your midfield and most of your defence rolling out the red carpet for a guy to take a fucking shot. But mm. then you've also got to realise that like he's 20 yards out and you're totally unsighted. If you're a Premier League goalkeeper, elite Premier League goalkeeper who should, who's vying for your country's number one spot, you kind of should be getting to that. Like, yeah. yeah. What is he doing? Like, I mean, he, he's completely unsighted. He's not screened by anybody. And a 20-yard shot, like, unless he puts that top corner, you're not, like, and, he, and he doesn't, by the way. Silva does not put this top corner. He literally just hits it straight. He hits it straight at Pickford's. Like, it, it's straight at Pickford's hands. And, like, the ball was, like, in centre and his hands were around it. Yeah. It was like, but, like uh, right, do you know how the, the, actually, this whole thing of, like, the, of parrying the ball? No, no, no apparently no, that's... that's funny this. enough, I've actually got a still of it here. This is why I didn't really want to lean into it. Hang on for a second. Get me snipping tool up in this motherfucker. Here is a clip of it. Oh, can we I are snipping this? papers, lads. Here we go. This is like fucking Johnny Giles and his teleprompter here. This is fucking great. <laughs> what he does here there, Bill, is he bounces forward. Oh, yes. and, uh, I can't board. fucking post it up. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, is he goes, he kind of dives over it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it in the replay it's fucking oh it's garbage and the, the shot I was going to pull up actually showed that it's ter- like he's he's terrible like he's really really bad but then again like it's 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 a mad thing that like some oftentimes you can get really good results by firing the ball at the goalkeeper um, as somebody found out against Liverpool the other day when he just several several times it seems in this case yeah <laughs> Thumped his ball straight at Alison, and Alison's yeah. like, "Oh, it, like no fairness to Alison, he got out of the way just in time." He did. <laughs> he really did. Like, and not only that, because he, he didn't want to fuck up his hair, because that was the more that important was, thing. That, that was City again, wasn't it? That was the City match again. Yeah. Now to be fair, now to be fair to Alison on that one, right? It looks bad on his side, but the way the speed that fucking Foden hits this, like it is just like you cannot react in time. Because you're, he's expecting him to go under, but it's just the, the velocity of it. Like, it was fired at him. Like, yeah. you're the goalkeeper. You're meant to get in the way of these. Naturally, yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, what, three fumbles in a row at that point. The guy was oh having an God, absolute like, fucking nightmare. That's like one of those games where you're just like, oh, please just hook me off. Just yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, he, he actually kind of... Because it was funny, and this was pointed out, he didn't ever... Every single time he made a mistake, he didn't just make one mistake. He made it was two. Consecutive. Yeah. He always recovered the first one. Mm. And then, like, there was one where he, it's a bad pass to his own defender, but he leaves his defender kind of high and dry, and the defender just about manages to get the ball back to him. Yeah. And rather than take his time or just hoof it long, he decides to try and pass it again and passes it straight to a fucking City player. And you're going yeah. like, what are you doing? Like every, he just doubled up on every error. It was nothing like I'd ever seen. Like it was it, I, I didn't watch the match, but I did watch... Um, the highlight uh, The highlight reel. Well, it was not a highlight reel for... <laughs> um, but like, it was literally like, looking at it, you're, you'd think, 
like this is someone's like you know deep faked Carius, um, like Alison's face onto Carius's body, and it's like that's not really Alison. Like that's not really happening. No, um, no. But um, look, we saw Leno had an absolute like ridiculous um, handball outside the box. It's a moment of madness, and he walked for it. I feel like some of those errors, Klopp should have just been like, well, just call it there. Just call it there. Like, get him sent off. I guarantee you, if we still had the five subs, if we had actually the five subs that come in, he probably would have fucked Allison. I guarantee you, he, he probably would have went, I'll have four after this, so I'm okay with it. Or you'll you probably say just that, like, Neil. You say that, but <laughs> Kelleher was injured, so I would not deploy Adrian as like a super sub against Man City. Not in have, this lifetime or the next. But in all fairness, like all Adrian would have had to have done to best Allison's efforts was just not pass the ball directly to the opposition. Uh, you remember the Atletico Madrid ball, game. Uh, for Adrian, to be fair, Neil. Do you remember the Atletico Madrid game? He literally I, I, did that. I, 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 am fully aware, I am fully aware that that might uh, out me as a breathlessly naive box <laughs> 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 consumer. Uh, yeah, no. I, I fully understand that, but fucking hell. Like, yeah, it, it's been two really bad games in that front. Um, like, we, might have, we might as well jump into the Liverpool Actually, conversation. Actually, a good one against Leipzig, because... It yeah. seems that Leipzig decided to try and make us feel better by making unbelievable howlers of their own. Mm, they were doing um, a fantastic impression of us. I'll give them that. Like, oh, really I have to admit, like, honestly, like the Mane goal, I genuinely do still to this day believe that he intended to play Mane through one on one. Because had he been in a Liverpool jersey, that literally would have been through ball of the century. Yeah. And like people. <laughs> How did he see that? Like, that's mercurial, seeing through time shit. Mm. But uh, no, as it turns out, he he, he, he wasn't in a Liverpool jersey. No, <laughs> so, no was he was terrible. not. It was fucking... And I, I guarantee you, Mane was probably looking there going, like, I've gone off my meds here. I, I don't believe this. Like, I'm going to score it anyway, but I'm not going to believe that it was this easy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's that kind of thing where, like, they, they scored a goal and they're, like, really happy. They're like, oh, shit, we're winning. Oh, shit, we scored. Oh, oh whoa. It's all happening twice at the same time. Well, <laughs> why, why can't every team just fuck up like this again? Yeah, us? why can't like, every team just pass the ball straight to our strikers when they're one-on-one nice. on box? Please. Yeah. And, and which team are we facing against next? Everton. Interesting. Ooh, yeah. How are you feeling about that, by the way, for uh, Merseyside 2? The mm. for dating. <laughs> the passion of Van Dyke is what I'm calling it. Um, <laughs> not with the video. Um, <laughs> no, I'll tell you what I'll, t- I'll tell you what I think about it because um I look, Mercy Derbies have been like fairly low on um on actual like uh scandal in the last while because we we've we've done our best to try and take the fizz out of it between the two clubs. Because the two clubs are actually on quite good terms, naturally. And the thing about it is the but whole Van Dyke like picture. are winning titles and Champions Leagues and Everton are pointless. And they're bitter bastards. Yeah, exactly. So we're on very good terms. <laughs> Again, tongue firmly in cheek there. But, um, but no, the, the last match was, uh, I suppose, like a real kind of kidney punch that relationship where the fact that like, Pickford clearly like, is a red card offence against Van Dyke and then Richarlison <laughs> nearly like bisects Thiago. You know, so it's in all fairness, it, it, that did give us like the funniest Squires comic I've ever seen. 
it did give us it gave us the matter block as well. So I'm not discounting yeah. you for that. When you see matter matter going full sass, it's not the best Squires comic. I think the Jack Charlton tribute was that. Oh, but it's it's easily the funniest yeah. one because like him taking out that Starbucks attendant. <laughs> the, the coffee for nothing, that, no nothing summarizes Jordan Pickford any better than that anyway. Sides the barista in half. <laughs> on at least three thermometers. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, but hey, it's roundabouts, silver linings, man. You gotta exactly. Yeah. But it, to answer to kind of answer your question about how I feel about the derby, um, not too oh, good, yeah. but also not too bad either, because like Everton are not exactly in the in the height of summers either, um, <laughs> and here's the thing about it, right? Because um, initially, like earlier in the week, I was going to put Diago as my card. Um, because and I'm, I'm sure this is going to upset a lot of people in the Liverpool fan base, but I still don't rate him. Um, I rate him as a as a good footballer, technically gifted, but he's not a good player he's for this Liverpool side. Extremely technically gifted, like he's one of those footballers that's so good at football, it actually makes me kind of angry. Of course, of course, <laughs> and that's the thing. That is absolutely fine for every other team but Liverpool, where that technical like graft wasn't necessarily required. And okay, I get it. It's the evolution of the side, and we and he's been kind of like. Do you, not think, way do you not think he was kind of like a midfield experiment thinking like, right, we've staffed our midfield with just nothing but workhorses who aren't... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, they are good footballers, certainly a lot better than any normal person, but like, it's their skill and technical ability is not what's required. What's required yeah. is somebody who will do 15K twice a week very easily. Yes. Um, And do you think Thiago was a kind of like an attempt to bridge that? It's like, what if we could get somebody who can do those distances, but has a mercurial touch on the ball? Mm. Well, the, the thing about that was that it's it's part of the kind of like the, the whole idea that the side of, effect that is that he dominates the ball and nothing gets. Yeah, done. this is what I was going to talk about because the the the, the thing that Liverpool side likes to do or is trying to do with each season is trying is just to slightly tweak how we play. So in in the sense of the last two or three years, it's been kind of like or the last first year or two of Klopp's like reign has been full throttle stuff but the reason we could do that was because we were playing far less games you know like one season we had the like Klopp when he came in halfway through and he had like a cup two cup runs and that and the charge the, the top four which he didn't eventually succeed in and then the next season was there's no more commitments just league tight the league matches and health letter 38 games fuck the rest of the cups the less now that we're, everyone, yeah yeah exactly so that that worked because it got us into the Champions League and it was a like incredibly almost like accidental run to the to this to the final. But the reason it was so good was because we were going hell for letter. You know, we had this like the the, the pure high energy, high tempo, relentless press that like no other team could go for. But the, the the reason that failed in the end was because of the Champions League final where the team were burnt out and they couldn't once Real Madrid went ahead through Ramos Shithousery and Carrius being concussed we didn't have a reply. We didn't know what to do because at that point we had tried plan A. Plan A didn't work. <laughs> and the best we could do was, right, what can we do next? Danny plan Ings? A plan A, but faster. Yeah. Okay. So that, so that, that was one thing. And then obviously, like, we was, <laughs> so, so we responded with that with rigidity. We brought in, we got in a spine for the team, which was Fabinho Allison. That was a combined with Van Dijk. And all throughout that team, now the team is like sorted for years. That is a generation team. And as, t- as time has gone by, we have gradually regressed on the high energy part and started becoming a more controlling team because we know we, we know ourselves, we're going to be facing more 
club, more matches per season than we would have in the first two years. And that's been true. We have had Champions League runs. We've had Club World Cup to do with in Qatar in the middle of fucking December. And on top of the 38 league games. And on top of that, then prioritising the domestic cups. So this team has been facing 50 plus games for the last two seasons. You know, and eventually... At some point, we had to go, right, we need to slow ourselves down in order to keep this team actually sustainable. And the problem with that is that works absolutely fine in a normal season when you have a summer break, when, you, when the players are able to recharge. We didn't have that luxury this time. And now suddenly we're falling into essentially a, extra, a season where the break hasn't been as gracious to us because naturally we need to recharge batteries, need the preseason to get the fitness back up. And all in that time, Injury, 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 injury. And not only that, but some, some of them are minor injuries, like Shakiri and Ox and Keita. Fucking Keita, God love him, has been injured since day one. And That's then suddenly... Like, injured, I would have never have heard of this thing. Mystery to us all. When, mystery when, we to had us all. Him, when we had him, he was never injured. No, you, he's kept yeah. him in bullrock for a reason. He's a fucking round him. <laughs> yeah. Now, and, and on top of that then, on top of that then, you oh, have my injuries to... Oh my God. <laughs> But on top of that, right, you then you get like these like really like horrendously timed accidents or uh, injuries, sorry, with like Van Dyke and uh, Diago, where the, the injury was actually far worse than they thought at the time because he played on. They thought he was fine and realized, oh, no, no, he the whole knee is twisted. We have to wait for that to heal in its own time. It's like, well, no, that, great. that happens occasionally. Like I remember one time yeah. with Erzul when he was playing <laughs> he was playing for us and he was out for three months with a knee injury. Mm. And he claimed that like he was running one time and he heard his knee go pop. He said, yeah. by the way, that's a direct quote. He said he heard his knee go pop, but he didn't feel any immediate pain. So he played yeah. on for <laughs> played on for almost an entire half. And you're going like, you knee shouldn't make that fucking noise, you fucking dingbat. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and that, that's a bad for, thing. You end up being out for three months because you'd wrecked the ligament or some shit like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, in a sense, like, so the injuries have kind of interfered with what the actual plan for this squad was, was to be, which was to gradually, was to change the way, change up the way we play, to slowly bring in Thiago as this integral part of the team that would essentially kind of combine with Henderson more to be that sort of like, the, keep the ball in the midfield so you don't have to be relying on centre-backs as much with Van Dijk and Gomez. And then, of course, Van Dijk and Gomez both get injured with like, long-term knee injuries and the Gomez one in particular was just like the most freak accident possible but the reason that is was because it was pure straight it was pure uh fatigue like the, the knee just like no I'm done I'm, I'm out and then okay and then on top of that then Jota picks up an injury in a dead rubber match in the Champions League and of course Jota was meant to be like the plan b for the entire front three he's able to play in both on all three of those positions and because he's a more primed like uh, player than say Minamino was, he's already had the Premier League like experience. He's able to slot right in wherever we need. Also, Klopp doesn't like Minamino. I don't. I, I wouldn't say that. I think Minamino just needed like game time. He just needed like sharpness, and he just never got it. Because how are you supposed to like? How are you supposed to displace a, a, a Firmino or Salah? You know that's the that's that was the trouble Minamino, Minamino had. He, just, like, he had to hit the ground running, and he did. Players, but when either of those players were injured, he never played them. No, I and and, and don't worry, I agree. I don't get why Origi was was the top priority. I think it's because literally he was just a different type of player. That's all it was. But what I was gonna say there was like some of those issues you could say right there, like some of them were caused by actual unfortunate events, like the injuries, but some of them were from our own design. 
we should have signed a centre-back in the summer and we, we, we took a risk and we're hoping we get away with it and we didn't. Um, we didn't have to play Jota in a, in a match against Midtjylland and we did and we didn't get away with it. So, in a way, the bad luck and the, import, the misfortune has been caused partly by ourselves and some of it has been from circumstance. And all of this as, is combining with a team who have been essentially playing 100 games, or 100 plus games in like three years in a system that demands high energy. These, the, the, the players are just like, they're mentally fried. Physically, there's nothing wrong with them. They can still do the mileage. The stats still prove that. But mentally, they just can't do it anymore. So that need for fresh blood is, 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 is uh, like logical in that sense. Hence why Thiago, Jota and so forth. But the thing about it is, and obviously with Henderson being put into the centre of defence, that completely upsets the balance of the team because he should be in the midfield. That is his best place. He's been doing okay in defence. Like, I see Katie McCabe can play all of these places. <laughs> Let's see if Jordan Henderson can do this. The thing is, like, he has been. He has actually been pretty good at central defence. But the problem is that we're losing so much more of him when he's in midfield. Like The fact that like it's such an intangible thing to talk about because like if 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 you were to break him down like in a football manager style you just go oh, yeah whatever just stick him in defense we've got better more talented players in the field but it's not about that it's the fact that like he's he's able to like pick out what pass he wants before it even happens it's that actual football intelligence like why yeah. did, why did man united always feel michael carrick like who like on paper is so much like less interesting than say a pogba or a um or anyone else around that time. The reason was because he was an intelligent footballer who kept the tempo going. Diego was working on a different tempo for a different team, and he just hasn't had that time to, to yeah, acclimate. Tiago is like infinitely more talented a footballer than Michael Carrick. Could but, that's not the, but that's not the issue. The Michael issue is Carrick that he's is trying too much. could ever imagine he'd be as good a footballer as Tiago. Like, Tiago is like a, just a ridiculous fucking talent on the ball. Like, but that, but that's, this is my point, is that it's too much. It's too much the opposite side. Where like Thiago, yes, he can absolutely hit a, a ball anywhere you want. And in the in the small in the game at the start of the season, like I'm thinking of the Chelsea game, the Everton game, it was fucking brilliant. But the problem is that he had a support crew around him. He had one element Henderson to to provide that work rate, to provide that like that tempo that he didn't need to do. That he could just play make from the number six role. And um, and the thing is. He, he has to do kind of both now. He has to either like put in tackles, which give away penalties like twice in a row, I think it was. And uh, it's the same again now. He's like putting in needless tackles when he shouldn't have to, but he, he, he's been, he has to do it in order to keep the team going. And the reason I'm saying this about Thiago is that Curtis Jones is doing his job so much better than Thiago is. And like the clearest indication about that has been the last three games we played. Um, Man City, he was starting against Man City and got taken off, and immediately the team fell to pieces, right? It was a tactical change to bring Shaqiri up the field, and the whole midfield was gone. The reason why Allison fucked up was because there was no one to pass to. When Alden was off, was out of position, Shaqiri was too far up the field, and Thiago was anonymous. Like, there was no one to pass to. Same thing again against Leicester, where we had to take off Milner um, because he pulled his hamstring. And by the way, if there's any sign that this season is too crude on players, James Milner pulling up a fucking hamstring injury twice in the season, that's a dead giveaway. I know you he's know, like 70 years old, but still. He's so old, though. Come on. Miller doesn't count. Like, Miller's attorney. He's like fucking, I don't know. He's like, he's like fucking Amber. It just, it doesn't age. Like, but, um, but even then, like, Miller doesn't count. Arrgh. But here's the thing. 
once Jones was taken off that field, Jones was the best player against Leicester, and Jones was subbed off, right? And once that happened, the team fell to pieces again because the midfield was gone. And again, and the reason I say that was because, in my opinion, Jones was the best player against a Leipzig game. Like, he literally just, like... And the thing is, he didn't, like, provide an assist. He didn't provide anything like that. But he just provided a centre-back, a balance in the midfield that we don't have right now because Henderson's there. Kabak was very, very good against Leicester and Leipzig. You know, give or take the the, the, the scuffle with Allison. That was clearly Allison's fault. Kabak had that oh, I was about to say, like, I was like, you can't really blame him for that. He was taken out by no. his own goalkeeper. Like, Oh, no, that was Allison's fault. 100%. Going, oh, that was your total fault, man. What, what are you doing there? I was like, what the fuck... Like the keeper didn't call it. I went to clear no. the ball. He decided to clear me out. <laughs> in all fairness, one this is one of the few times where I'm against the keeper in a keeper on the vendor kind of thing. Is like, mm-hmm. like unless Alan, I don't think Allison called for that. Um, no, he didn't. I've watched it back, and he's not screamed. Like I, I'm firmly on the keeper side. If you keep it goes keepers, and you don't go right, I'm I'm backing out of this because he's coming in like a fucking freight train because you have to yeah. as a goalkeeper yeah. I, I'm firmly on that guy's side because when they make that call they've assumed all responsibility and if it fucks up holy shit did they get pilloried for it yeah. um, but I, I don't, he's not called that and he's just gone I'm going to go deal with this <laughs> not realising that but if his own defenders is there he clearly doesn't rake Kabak um, and yeah it just it just Fuck me! Like he, he wound up taking up, he t- taking out his own guy. Like if he did mm. miss the ball and taking out the other guy, people have been like, "Yeah, that was far better." <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what you're to do, like you know. That's that. say, he should have rushed out, just taking down Vardy as like a absolutely, precautionary yeah. foul. He absolutely <laughs> fucking drop kicked Vardy, <laughs> finished him off with a fucking elbow drop that. Fucking Racho Man, Macho Man Randy Savage would have been fucking proud of. Absolutely. Everybody like, yeah, do that. Big goblin faced fuck. Um, <laughs> but I no, but, so, so my, the whole crux of my kind of argument here is that a lot of people have been kind of thinking, well, like Diago should be the centerpiece of the team. It, he really isn't. He really, really isn't. It's Curtis Jones. And the proof is it in pudding. The last few games, every time Jones has been subbed off, the team has fallen to pieces. And in a weird way, it doesn't make sense that this 20-year-old midfielder who's like still, in essence, a, a reserve, a youngster, is now a integral part of the first team. But the proof um, is there. No, he's the future of your team. We've oh, of course. Mitro and we've got Saka, who have literally been given those, like, you know, mantles mm. Arsenal, whereas you've got the likes of Ozil sitting on the bench at the time that Saka was breaking through. Like, we don't need Ozil. Look at this yeah. guy. And I, I, I totally agree with that because Arteta made that, actual like tactical decision to bring these people in and keep them in the team. Klopp, Klopp isn't doing that at the minute. I think it is probably because he wants to protect Jones a little bit because of his age and like he's paranoid about another hamstring exploding in the fucking team. But ultimately, against for team for matches now against Everton, and I think we have uh, Chelsea coming up soon as well, you cannot afford to rest Jones. He plays every single game from now on. Like, sub off Henderson, sub off Wijnaldum, sub off Thiago, bring in Cater, bring in whoever else. But Jones is your number one person on that team from now on. And it literally is, it's not even a case that he's providing the pass. He's just filling that hole that's missing in the midfield. Whatever it may be, whether it's the work rate, the passing, the fouling, whatever it is, he is doing it. And, and furthermore, 
again, the proof is in the pudding. It's a Leipzig game. Once Jones was playing and he was there for the entire game, Thiago played so much better because he had his side of the midfield and stayed there. He's not floating around losing position all the time. He is more rigid as well because he had one album in number six. It's like um, how Xhaka works when you have party in the team. Xhaka mm-hmm. um, is a pile of dog shit if he's, you know, the center of our pivot. Um, but um, actually, he's less useful than a sack of dog shit. At least there's fertilizer in that part. But like, he's um, yeah, you've got you've got healthier grass in that part of the pitch. Yeah. But like, um, with someone else to kind of play in, like around him, it makes him look like such a better player. Yeah, we we and had this with Lovren. We had this with Lovren when it once like Lovren was a disaster by himself because he tried to do too much. But once Van Dijk, who was obviously a superior defender, Lovren was so much better because all he had to do was head balled out or clear them out, or he was the one on the front foot, yeah. or sometimes being the last man back. And he was so good in that because his role was so specific. Matip the same way. Matip on his own can be a not necessarily a liability, but he tries too much. He brings the ball out too much. But once if you let Matip play with Van Dijk, who obviously understands. I'll hold on here and Matip will go on a 30-yard dribble just for the fucking fun of it. It all works out. It's all about the, the partnership and the, and the, 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 the chemistry there. If you, if you leave it too much to one player, it just doesn't make sense and, every, and the, the players slow down. When you have two or three there who's all capable of doing the same job, that makes a team so much more um, unique, if that's the word to use. Because you know what you're going to get from the front three. Like they're established. And sometimes when they're on point, they're very hard to mark. They're very hard to, to, to clear out. It's the midfield you should, work, you should be worried about because, as is always the case with a clock team, that's the engine room. If the engine room is fucked, no, one, no one's going anywhere. But once that's singing, then they're scoring goals left, right and centre. Could be conceding them as well, but at least <laughs> at least you have a chance of winning. You know, it's not just a fucking 1-0 loss to goddamn Brighton, you know? But, um, so yeah, that's... I, I think we'll be... Again, it's... I'd like, I'd like you, to think you can beat everything. more to say on this, Jonathan, uh, when it comes to CODs. <laughs> no, actually, no. I, I, I've changed track of my COD completely, so I'm, I'm getting this out of my chest now. <laughs> wow. So, anyway, um, I suppose to, to kind of the, the, to recap this uh, Premier League uh, rundown, uh, the league table currently stands with City, obviously, 10 points clear of Man, Man United. Leicester are um, alongside them on 46. Um, again, Leicester have been... Grant, like, I don't know what the Europa League is going to do to them this season, uh, considering, you know, they have been on very good form at the moment, but the, the team is not that deep. So it's interesting. I'm curious to see how they get on with that. Um, curious to see how they get over the typical Brendan Rodgers second half, last third slump that his teams mm. always go through. Yeah. Yeah. That's the interesting part. Yeah. Um, and they kind of they can't really afford it this season because um, Chelsea. The resurgent Chelsea, four wins in the last four. Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. Who knew that playing people in the right positions and telling them to do things was actually spending a quarter of a billion quid? It's yes. more pragmatic than Lampard likes mm. to play, which is, you know, put the people on the pitch and hope it works. Um, it's a bit more like, oh, he likes to run with the ball, give him a chance to run with the ball, but it's not been like, they haven't wowed me. No, they've just been more sensible, is what I would say. It's like good players being good, yeah. but not great players being great, which is what you'd expect with the budget that they have. Which that's is a fair like point. Fair point, yeah. Simple. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair, fair argument. Um, 
again, showing how weird this uh, season is, uh, joint fourth, if you will, is West Ham on 42 points. Um, they, West Ham I, title contenders. Woo! <laughs> I don't. I I think UEFA might ban England altogether if West Ham qualify for the. I Champions think League. like if West Ham like stay in the Champions League spots, they might just asterisk the whole season. That you know, that's like, what triggers the null void. People look back on the season and they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, 2020, 2021. Was that the, the West Ham years? That was the West Ham season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. And then they just. They just go on and talk about whatever else they're doing, like you know, like ultra yeah. porn. You know, like it's just it. Yeah, I think it, it. They'll just start a whole thing out and just go. This never happened. Okay, so that, in that case, are we counting like in the Champions League? This never occurred. No, okay, this, I, I like that. I like that. If West Ham qualified the Champions League this season, is officially non-canon. Yeah, totally. This I is like, favorite like, now, yeah. Subject, you know, when like. It, it's kind of like a weird side story when one of the characters like slips into a coma and they imagine something happening. <laughs> and they're like, ooh, this is a what if. <laughs> Instead of everyone breaking out into song, it's, you know... <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's West Ham qualifying for the Champions League. I can't even say it. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm only saying it because I've literally typed the words out in front of me and I'm just reading. <laughs> <laughs> In all fairness, it took me like four attempts to type that out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's it. Like, you know, and then come 2021, 2022 is when like a character wakes up out of the shower and goes, what? That was a horrible dream. <laughs> who, who shot David Moyes? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, so yes, the uh, as you mentioned, the Merseyside Derby um, is the battle for six at the moment. Uh, Liverpool. Everything. Yeah. Again, Everton still seventh throughout all this. I'm just impressed with the consistency. Despite their want to Everton this up, they are still in seventh. I love them. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the consistency. Like throughout all this, all the lockdowns, all the pandemic stuff, it's just nice to see something that's still the same from the old world. You know, Everton still the same old footballing void that they've ever been. Mm. Do you think Carlo Ancelotti is having an existential crisis, or do you think that comes later? Not really. I think every. I think like I think he's one of those people who every time on the way home from work goes to an ATM and looks at their bank balance and he goes, "Oh, that's why." Yeah. That's yes. Highest paid in the league. Yes, I remember Highest now. In the league. Yeah. You no, know, and that's it. He does that every single every day, like mm. every fucking. I'm oh, sorry. Every week. He just yeah. does that every week. You know, when it gets too it. much of like um, to coach with Charleston into a fucking centre forward position, he's like, Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Who, who's Tom Davies? ATM. Who Tom Davies is? <laughs> ATM, 1916. Oh, yeah, that's why. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Carlo Ancelotti's pin number is 1916. <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti is a Sinn Feiner confirmed, lads. Oh, <laughs> you heard it first. You heard it here first. Yeah, Carlo Ancelotti, um, great, great man for the parish. He dislikes um, provos. Yes, it was, it was, it was all that uh, banter he's been having with James Coleman. Uh, ah, great. totally. Yeah, you yes. can't, you can't, can't have that without with James Coleman and the team. Fuck that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So the the rest of the top half of the league uh, looks like this. Villa are on 36 with uh, two games in hand. 
So again, the window two games, which is very if on that front they would be fifth. Um, Spurs are uh, on the same points in the game in hand as well. I think they have to face Everton uh, in that time. And uh, ever like Spurs are just they they're a bit fucking like resigned to mediocrity, really, aren't they? Like it's it's gone bad. Like I said this on the last one. Mm. Uh, I asked you is if you thought it had gone bad, like Mourinho style bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't believe uh, they would call Kane so early. Like the guy is still clearly yeah, I like, got a, suffering from a that. fairly non-committal answer, and then over the last two weeks now, every single like fucking column about Spurs has just been all about yeah, this isn't worked. Daniel Levy's fucked it. Um, what else was he expecting? Like, like Spurs can only go so far with this team, especially when you consider that Mourinho's contract doesn't include a no clay, no break clause. Mm. So, like at the very bare minimum to get rid of him, they're gonna have to just basically pay him all of his wages up front. <laughs> Combined with the fact oh, that Gareth Bale is being paid fifteen million pounds yeah. as a bench warmer. As a oh bench well. Warmer. And, and all the controversy around that is just fantastic. Like oh, it's so fucking great. Like, like Instagram fit and ready to go. And then it's just like, no, you're not. He's he's, he's conducting his Bale is conducting like a social media war against them and all like I was like oh my god because initially because when we talked previously I said I had said that Bale looks really happy on the bench he looks happy like he got subbed off in the match fuck I can't remember it against who but he'd been mm. subbed off in a match and he actually almost looked relieved to get off the pitch and now he's like fucking going oh he's contradicting his own manager because Jose was like no he's not fit he's he's hurt he can't play in the next match and then Bale immediately comes out on Instagram going, I had a great session on the pitch today. <laughs> so I was going, oh, fuck. Like, like it's eating itself. The snake is finally coiled. It's Ouroboros. It, the, the Spurs have become Ouroboros. I love it. It's finally <laughs> doing it. It's finally doing it. Gareth Bale is like one of these, like, I would love to be a fly on the wall in his life just to see, like, other than money, like, is there any other motivation? Like, does he feed off, like, fans hating him? Like, is, <laughs> yeah. that, is he, like, Katie Hopkins or uh, yeah. a I think, I think it's just money because, like, when you're on mm. just as much cash as he is on, like... The rest of the world doesn't matter at that point. He does. He just doesn't give a fuck. Like, people are losing their jobs because of COVID. People are dying as a result of their jobs because of COVID and he's like I can sit on my arse and get like millions a month I don't give a fuck yeah mm. I, I, I would like to think that you know there, he's a misunderstood character <laughs> um, and purely, purely because he was the only Spurs player back in the day that I could actually give any credit to being a good player. Um, Keen as well. Yeah, like, I, I didn't hate him. Like, I hated him because he played for Spurs, but I didn't hate him. Like, I did think he was quite talented. He was good mm. to watch. And, um, yeah, but it's just, I, like, to go back to the club and do so bad, like, you must hate your fans. Like, yeah, that's... Like like it to go sit on a bench in a different country, like I just mm. like it's very obvious he's not gone back to Spurs to rip up trees. 
to go, ooh, here's what I can do. Like, it's it must, it's like, it's hilarious. Like, Odegaard has already racked up more match minutes than he has. <laughs> and he signed, like, six months after him. Like, like I don't I don't understand. Like, like, Odegaard has gone to Arsenal, clearly, to go, I am match fit. I want to play. Here I am playing. He's already, he, he's going to be in every first team that he's fit for. Mm. Like, we all know this. But, um, like, like we know Real Madrid is a stagnant mess, but like it really shows the different types of mentality of the club as well. Where Bale is like the kind of the big money signing, and then you have Odegaard who like was is still a wonderkind by the accounts, but he was supposed to be the one that was going to be the next Ronaldo, next Messi, whatever it was. Yeah. And because he was so overhyped at that age, like he didn't like catch fire as he wanted to until he started kind of doing things by himself by having his run at Sociedad, for example, and now here. Yeah, you know, the run at Sociedad that was so good that they deliberately that they recalled him and then loaned him out to a different team so that he wouldn't because his loan at Sociedad was for two years. Yeah. So that immediately belies any kind of parent club clause. So we can't play against Real mm. under that loan. And in his first year at Sociedad, he helped them knock Real out of the Copa del Rey. <laughs> yeah, like, if you're Real Madrid, why the fuck would you agree to a two-year loan? Does anyone ever read the five print of these books? No idea. But in any case, so That's he insane. like in the the match they knocked Real out of the Copa del Rey. Um, he racked up like two assists and scored a goal. Mm. So like, I wonder why. No way. And like Sociedad were mar- not they weren't marching up the table, but they were just like they were like we are in a healthy fucking great position. There was like Real, like well we're in doldrums Barcelona and the toilet yeah um, Atletico they're going to slip up and they just have they've just started it I've noticed that they've drawn they've drawn the last couple of games and they've got like eight first team injuries mm-hmm. <laughs> their grip on the top is tenuous and so they just recalled them and they're like no we can't have you doing this so they recalled them and just sent them out on loan to fucking Arsenal yeah, and just like you know, he's gonna kill it. Like we're not gonna sign him permanently, and I hate every Arsenal fan that thinks we are, um, because like he wants to play for Real Madrid and Real Madrid. He's contracted until like twenty twenty four for them. Yeah, so it's gonna cost at least sixty million to get him out of that contract, and we just don't have that cash. Like, uh, to be fair, like he, do, he just he just feels a role at the moment because like he's number ten and the right winger, so literally those are the two places you're kind of missing at the moment. You're at least light, light on, let's say. Well, not so even play, like, with regards to the right winger, we've shifted Saka to the right, and he's just which is working wonders, by the holy way. Holy shit! Like I've like, I'm like for anybody who thinks Arteta doesn't know what he's doing, mm. take a look at that and tell me that I'm tell me that I'm wrong. Like fuck me, Saka has been a revelation on the right wing. Yeah, and it means that also we can put Pe- Pepe on the left, where he's never played. But apparently he's fucking brilliant on. It's, he, it's that whole inverted winger notion, like having them on their kind of weak foot makes them play better. It's so odd. Yeah. But the thing is, with Pepe is that like Pepe always played on his weak foot. Yeah, the opposite wing. But now it turns out he's on a stronger foot, and he's like, I'm so much better on the left. I'm so much better as a left foot on the left wing. Who'd have thunk this? But um, like he was just never played there, and it's just been fucking brilliant. And I, yeah. I thought like it's just been unbelievable. Um, so let, let's move on to Arsenal because they're currently um sitting tenth in the league table. Obviously, um, improvements, but still the inconsistency is there. Like the obviously the Villa game happened before we the, after our last podcast, and that was um 
Lee said about that the better. And then you had you, you tried your best to lose the game against Leeds after being 4 0 up. <laughs> um, and then the Benfica game as well in midweek. I mean, the it's, thing, it's the, the thing is, where, like, the thing is about Arsenal is that, like, particularly after the Leeds game, it, it was good to actually like, get a performance there. Sorry, it was good to get a result that our performance merited. Mm-hmm. In that we deserve to win the Wolves game, we deserve to win the Villa game. Um, we deserve to win the Benfica game. Fuck me, like holy shit! Like, Aubameyang followed up his first ever hat trick with his first ever hat trick of misses in that Benfica <laughs> game. Like, holy yeah. shit! In particular, in particular, the very forced one. Like, uh, uh, there are like non-humans, like mammals, like dogs, yes. certain types of bunnies, various slots that would have That's scored his first attempt. Yeah. Like, like how we missed that like <laughs> I still actually can't believe he's done it even though we're like days after the fact and it's like it's nothing I can do about it I still can't believe it happened like yeah it's just I know. mental but um yeah it's it's just a crazy time mm. it's, it's click though like he's playing all of our best players like he's it's weird that in that Odegaard was initially signed as I thought as a kind of like rotational replacement for Smith Rowe. Yeah. But he's now playing both of them at the same time. And it really fucking works. Because when because I saw Odegaard, the, Those players are so fluid anyway. Like, because when you do have like those kind of like Smith Rowe, like by trade, is supposed to be a winger. If, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, he's but because a 10. like you've been. He's yeah. But, but in his younger days, he was like out wide. Like he used he to be on loan. He was played out wide, but. When he came into the senior team, it's all through the middle. Like, yeah, yeah. This is my point because he was, being, he was being kept out of the team by Urzel. Yeah, you know, at one point because they were just like, "No, you you go through the middle. You're a socks down hard runner. Mm. Good eye for a ball. Yeah, That's what we want you as. And like, you can't you can't do that on the wing because on the wing you need pace. You need the ability to smoke player." Um, and he needed to cross and he's just like well no he can't cross the ball he absolutely can one of his assists was a cross for the, in the Leeds game a yeah. brilliant cross for Aubameyang's header um, but you know that, that the wing doesn't play to his strengths he may have started off as a winger but it doesn't play to his strengths his strengths are through the middle as a kind of Ramsey style marauding 10 Um but that's my point about the skill set is that the fact yeah. that like those things that you would do as a winger, which is to beat your man at the fullback and then perhaps whip something in. Yeah. It is kind of the same thing when you're playing number 10. Whereas like oftentimes with number 10, you have to play the perfect pass to whoever's up front. But let's just say if you're working with something like the Arsenal system where you don't necessarily have anyone up front, you are <laughs> just there in front of your man. You skin him and you're in, you know, and it just so happens someone else is making a run beside you in the same channel. Think it over to him and there's your goal. So like you can kind of you can kind of see the logic there with with switching people to the center. You know, I don't think every player is capable for it, but certainly someone like Smith Rowe who can do both, absolutely, yeah. We definitely have an abundance. We definitely have an abundance. So you were saying there as well when you're watching one of the games, you're like, is Odegaard a false nine? And you're like, and he was really good at that. I liked him at false nine. No, in all fairness, now Odegaard, I don't think I don't think it's a single position he's not good at. Hmm. Um, I the t- fact he was playing his back to goal all the time that's mm. what I really liked about it was because you have to be very brave to do that against certain teams now with Leeds you might as well because they are so chaotic as it is so yeah, that works you're playing it, you're, play, you're matching their kind well, of style games, but another game against teams that don't do the whole man marking to the exclusivity that mm. Leeds do it in 
But as, like in a couple of the games now, he's done this thing where he's gotten the ball. He's been able to stop the ball because the pass is in Arsenal and we've started to fire the pass at each other. So mm. he can take the pass, stop it, turn and run all in the one motion. Yes. Leave, the def- leave whoever's marking him behind. And he did that so many times. And I'm just going like, holy shit, this guy is really fucking good. Like, he, he lives up to the hype. You know, that's the thing. When Real first signed him, I was like, yeah, whatever. He's good as a 16-year-old. Yeah, who gives a fuck? You know? But um, no, Jesus Christ. There is, so there is something there. It, it is so evident. fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, he is ridiculously good. Like I was surprised at how deep he was dropping in the matches yeah. because any of the kind of clips I'd seen um, and I like admittedly I had kind of forgotten he had existed as a player I remember when you said like oh you're linked with Odegaard and I was like who that name is familiar <laughs> um, um, but yeah no I, I was surprised because like that whole thing of like receiving the ball at the edge of your own box and I was surprised by that because in any of the clips I had seen kind of like oh who's this player again oh my god he's brilliant he was way further up the pitch he was he's not necessarily ball carrier, but he was able to pick out those quick little passes. Um mm. I found like watching the Benfica game, he was like doing like some like really neat one twos with Bellerin. And then all of a sudden he'd be over the other side pitch doing like neat one twos with Cedric. And it's like, oh, like uh, but he was in our own half quite a lot. And um it just kind of reminded me just as a uh in comparison, just the way he received the ball with his back to goal, I suppose, or like the opposition goal, like he would receive it and kind of just do like one simple touch around the corner and he'd be off again and ready for the next pass, which we haven't had from a player for so long. Party mm. does it a little bit, but he's more involved in actually winning the ball back. Yeah. Jack, if yeah, he's back to the, like if he's receiving the ball from the back, he will pass the ball back. Like he doesn't have that natural inclination to move forward again. Mm. And like you saw that when in, uh, Smith Rowe came into the squad, you saw that the, that impetus change in our in our style of football, like was so quick to get the ball from the back, a turn and go, and Oligar just does it like with half a touch less. You know, oh, that's perfect. Like it's instant. Like yeah, it, it, when when a player needs to come, when they receive a pass, they need to kill it turn, look, and pass it. He can kill the ball, turn and pass it all in one go. It's just, yeah. he gets that extra second, not even half yeah. second. He gets a full extra second out of it. And that's where the ball's just going yeah. so much quicker. It's, it's that kind of thing, same kind of logic, which is why we always have Firmino, because Firmino has that ability to be, to essentially link up with somebody. But I, it, much to the point where you said about Odegaard doing a link up play with somebody almost out of position. Firmino's kind of like more directed to stay with somebody as it were and do like and keep stay in a position to be able to play a pass in or to, to hook the play up like so it's the same logic and like and like it's worked for us for years so it makes sense that other players are being deployed to do the same thing not necessarily in the same position but to do the same job and like you're feeling the benefits of it now because the, the front looks so much more like connected now that you have yeah. someone doing that you know um, just in terms of like what, who he reminds me of and I wasn't expecting him. I was expecting him when I kind of looked at, like, obviously the highlight clip, to be a Danielle van der Donk. As mm. in, not very, doesn't really sit back and try and receive the ball from the back line, is always looking to get the ball kind of in the opposition half and move it on out the wings. Like, she's good at um, 
you know, kind of small tic-a-tac of passing in yeah. the opposition half. That's what I was expecting. But he's definitely more of a Leah Valti from the women's game where yeah. she's known as snake hips. Mm. <laughs> she gets the ball from the keeper, say, and like a lot of the, I think if you look at the pass maps, like some of the most, you know, completed passes are between Zinsberger and Leah Valti. And like she drops back and gets the ball and will like do like little shimmy and then all of a sudden the ball's with out the wings and she's through the middle tearing it up like you know mm. to get up and help the attack and that's that's a new kind of uh, role for our in the Arsenal women's midfield that we've had this season and um, just as Joe Montemurro is trying to figure out a way of getting the players I'm just trying to figure out what midfield actually means yeah yeah um but um she's been the only one who's trying to be a midfielder I suppose but um uh but I actually saw a lot of that in, in Odegaard. And like she has been our player this season so far in the women. So I've been really interested to see if, he, I, I would be really interested to see if he continues to be that kind of, not I'm not saying deeper role, because he's definitely, definitely more of an attacking midfielder. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he dropped back that much, I'd love to see that a bit more and see how that plays out. It's kind of an evolution of the number 10 role, because... Like when you think of a number ten, you kind of you're kind of reminded of the likes of Anozo, who like not necessarily is there for the work rate, but he's there to play the perfect pass. He's there to be like he's the, he's the center tip of the diamond almost, you know. Whereas now you look at the type when you think of a modern ten now, you probably think of the likes of an Odegaard, who is more mobile and he he's there more so to uh, add into the passing. Like he he's there to like be the that extra person to say right, I'm here. I can sign it on to the wing or the fullback. I'm here in this position perfectly. That's kind of where your number 10 is now because they can be really elusive at some points. Like even look at Leicester's a great example with Madison. Like Madison like doesn't play centrally. He plays all across that like line behind Vardy and Barnes if Barnes is doing the same thing. So he's like playing almost horizontally along the pitch. And that's really hard to fucking to mark as well because once he's on the ball, he has one directive and that's to run towards goal and shoot. And that's like, that's what you call it. We kind of call it number 10 now. Bruno Fernandez is the same thing. Or Bruno kind of does everything in that United team. But it makes sense because there's like other people in the team to, to worry about, you know, like the Cavani's and the Rashford's. So when Bruno gets the ball, it's like, oh shit, he's on the ball. We might want to do something about that. But because he's so talented on the ball, <laughs> you kind of have to foul him either way. Like, so it, yeah. it, it, it makes a threat for either team then. I think, no, I think I quite like the ability. I quite like the um, structure of three young technical yeah. um, wizards kind of backing up Aubameyang up front. It makes so much sense. Like the so, other teams have done it and it makes centrally. so much sense. It's pushing him more centrally. So Aubameyang is now backed up by Smith Rowe, Saka and Odegaard. And like, mm. Odegaard is the oldest of those three at 22. <laughs> yeah. No, Saka's still 19. Yeah. And you're like, fuck me. And you just let them do the running. Yeah. Let them do the running. Let them do the pressing. And they, they press like motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Um, and just let them do this stuff and just feed the ball to Aubameyang and he will finish it. Now, yeah. in the Leeds game, that's what he did. Um, in the Benfica game, that's what he didn't. <laughs> Um, it turned out Saka had to finish one of them and fucking self because a, we all know Aubameyang wasn't doing a fucking mm. need a proper Cavani against us yes. uh, style performance. 
but like obviously Aubameyang's not going to have those games all the time like they're no. rare aberrations you give Aubameyang those types of chances he's going to put them away and, and I don't think that Benfica result is all on Aubameyang either because yeah. um, no it's not no like I, 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 like I Benfica would be my European team that I kind of keep an eye on and it has been quite difficult to keep an eye on them because they are playing rotten football and it is showing in their storyline, and um, uh, their uh, like their season is just one of the worst seasons they're having. But I was just literally like, like there is like this is the perfect part, like plot point of you know Arsenal coming in, they're <laughs> having the worst run of their lives, and now we're just gonna hand them a nice draw. I actually was talking to my cousin who's like a massive Benfica fan. And I was like, what do you think tonight? And he was like, um, he, he was just like, I've been watching them so much this season. I don't know if I'm able to stomach this. For a bragging this year, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was like, I'm expecting, like he had said like about, maybe about like three or four nil, three or four, maybe one. We might get one just knowing Arsenal's defence. And if, if David Luiz is playing, I'd say we'd score. Mm. And I was like, no, I think it's going to be a score draw. And he was kind of he he kind of was like what like seriously like you are on a good run and I was like are you back on your pain medication love <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> if we're on a good run or not we always have that ability to fuck stuff up you are very much forgetting this is Arsenal we're talking about this is Arsenal about. this means Arsenal <laughs> but, but um yeah, yeah so I don't know yeah like it's not I I do think by the way I do think. I should preface all of this by saying all this doom speak by saying I do believe we'll win the second leg and still go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I you know. really, but I, I feel like we could have given ourselves an easier job of it. Going yeah, into we, we all leg, all, uh, yeah, in all in all accounts we should have been like four one. Mm. I do feel this this stage of the competition is not good for Birmingham because this is the stage of the competition we got knocked out last year against Olympiacos when he had that horrendous Miss. Oh. Mm. Um, Why did you have to remind Neil of that? Because I dread in his eyes. That memory today. That was excruciating. Like, that was one of those things where you're like, "No, nah, I'm getting the pliers and pulling out one of my own teeth because it's worse <laughs> than this." Yes. Um, so, uh, in terms of the wrestling table, we can rattle through the bottom half. Uh, Leeds are currently top of the pile on in eleventh. Um, obviously, after losing to Arsenal uh, last week. Wolves, actually, Wolves and Leeds currently playing at the moment. Uh, they're currently sitting 11th and 12th, so they are literally fighting for best of the rest at the moment. Um, Southampton, who we were singing the praise of uh, around Christmas, have lost six games in a row and are currently sitting 13th. They are literally the worst team in the league form-wise. So, um, sort yourselves out, lads, I guess. Um, maybe crucify Jan Bednarek, do something. I don't know. Maybe some sort of uh, virgin sacrifice might be needed there. Um, they're currently joined, top, joined on 29 points with Palace, who are also not exactly one of the greatest women in the world either. Um, then we have this, uh, I suppose, like fake relegation battle between Burnley, Brighton and Newcastle, all separated by a point each. Um, and then we have the actual relegated teams, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield. Although, to, to Fulham's credit, they are doing a little bit better than Newcastle at the moment, form-wise. They've got a few draws. They've, they, they've had a fucking brilliant game against Everton, where like, Legit, like, I, if you told me that Fulham were, like, 
going down, I wouldn't have believed you. They were playing so re- so goddamn well. Um, and a lot of it is down to like the recruitment of a new striker, Josh Maya, or Maja, as it would be. And uh, yeah, he, he's just gelled in really well. Um, they still, they're still six points away from Newcastle, so I don't know if they'll be able to recoup that. But as again, Newcastle have like most of their actually good players injured now. So I guess now is a chance. If, there, if there's ever going to be a chance, it'll be now. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But I obviously, I think West Brom and, um, and Sheffield are going down. Although I will say, after um, binging on um, season high, on match highlights before this podcast, I'm a big fan of West Brom's new, goal, new uh, striker, Dianye. Um, he's just yeah. a big bully. Like, I don't know if you. I don't know if you he's saw the uh, Sam guy then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I don't know how Sam does this. He literally finds this striker every single year. Like with everything that was Czech Tolson with like football with, manager uh, look for you know height stats. He he just yeah he just like goes like the, the like the strength stats and just like like ranks downwards. He's like a big Excel spreadsheet of big boys, <laughs> of units, if you will. Um, and the thing is, like, I wouldn't mind. I actually quite like him as a player. Daniel, he gets the really good positions, and um, like he should have scored against Spurs when they lost two 0 And the goal he scored against United was really well taken, and he could have got two more. So, like, again, I think it's a bit too late now for Bromley. But if they can keep him, like, they'd be decent for his next season in the Championship, you know. Um, but I think he's on loan from um, from a Turkish team, so I don't think that's likely. But yeah, that's that's the league table as it stands. So, um, so. Uh, I will take this chance then to let you know how VAR Wars is doing. Um, so, uh, again, only thankfully only two match days to talk about and a few of the uh, rearranged matches that don't matter today. Uh, match day 23, we have uh, one point given to Chelsea. That was the uh, penalty awarded by VAR at the Ramsdale. Uh, definitely, almost certainly fell Werner, but just the referee was like two bollocks to notice at the time. <laughs> he was like 30 yards away. Because, like again, Timo Werner is stupidly fast for his, yeah. for his height. So the reference is way far, too far away. and just went, VAR. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was obviously a penalty. Um, but also in that same game, Sheffield United had a penalty taken away from them as well. As the uh, as ba- Basham was felled um, by, I think, uh, Aspilicueta. And uh, essentially it, was, it wasn't given because he was offside in the build-up. So uh, bad luck there, Sheffield. Uh, and the other minus one goes to uh, West Ham for the uh, Pavel Suchek sending off which was so angry, made me so fucking angry at the time. Like, I, I don't get emotionally invested in West Ham matches, and I don't think I'll ever will be. But this one genuinely annoyed me. Like, legit, like, it's an accidental elbow into Mitrovic's face, and Vart says, no, that's a red card. And even Mike Dean, who had to send the man off, was going like, I fucking hate this rule. I'm sorry, bullshit, I know, red card, I'm sorry. Just, just, I'll help you with the appeal. I'll help you with the appeal myself. Like, get fucking retarded. Anyway. Um, so that was in match day 23. A little bit more action in um, about the same action actually in uh, match day 24. One for Arsenal, and their penalty was rescinded by referee after VAR review. That was the uh, Saka fell by Cooper, and basically it wasn't enough for a penalty because of reasons. Uh, yeah, this, uh, this, this made me so angry because Saka <laughs> has been getting into these positions, and we've mentioned it before about the. Constant fouling on him, yeah, and this would have been a foul any day of the week outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I, I was happy enough with the, that one not being given when the Bamford one wasn't given when he managed to get in between two defenders and then just fell down. 
Yeah, that was at least it was consistent. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah, I, I was well. Yeah, consistent. I'm like, he did. Saka did get a penalty later on mm. when he was absolutely swept out of it by Messier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a good one. In fairness, he got his money's worth. No, no, he got him. He 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 he, he fucking got him. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got him. And the the other minus one for that match day goes to Man United, who were leading VAR Wars. Um, and their penalty was rescinded by VAR Review. That was the insufficient contact by Ajay on Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire, six foot four lummox, gets a little mush to the little touch to the face and goes, Oh calamity. That, that was just embarrassing. That was like Bear in mind, this is somebody. What six was more, embar- what was more embarrassing? About, what was more embarrassing about the whole thing is that he went on to complain about it in post-match interview. I was like, "Do you not know we have instant replay? You fucking asshole!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> Again, bear in mind, not six months ago he was fighting the police. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, viciously swiping down their culture, no less. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> According to very maybe, trustworthy yeah, sources, the feather and like clam halash, clam halash. Yes, <laughs> the Romans were better. <laughs> Say that again. Ah. <laughs> um, there was also a points given and taken away at Leicester. That was in the Liverpool game. The first of all, the penalty that Thiago gave away on, uh, I think it was Madison, that was uh, reduced to a free kick because it was uh, seen to be outside the box. So that was fair enough. And then from that free kick, Daniel Amarte scored. And it was checked by VAR because they, they thought he was offside. But actually, Firmino's boot played him onside. So, I, yes, arbitrary reasons. Let's just fucking... Uh, Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude. Um, to be fair, I actually don't mind that because it's at this point where like VAR is like deliberately just shit. It's like, yeah, go nuts. It's like, when, you know when you have like a really annoying child and you just want to go, like, okay, give him a toy. No, I don't know that. They'll flail around the place and then they go and shit themselves. That's VAR. <laughs> Let them do it. Let them have their little shit in the corner and then they'll sleep and they won't fucking, and they'll leave you alone for two weeks or whatever and it'll be the same again. That's far enough at this point. So I'm going to have done with it. Um, in terms of VAR Wars, obviously with that point to minus one to United, nobody is leading VAR Wars at the moment. Literally everyone is losing at this point. And um, literally there's like a whole of the teams on one Because VAR is shit. VAR is shit. And Liverpool still losing on minus six. And clo- followed close behind by uh, Villa and West Brom, both on minus four. So, yes, literally everyone is losing this season. Um, and speaking of losing, let's talk about the jobs they've lost as well in the P45 crew. Um, <laughs> minor developments in this one. We've had three sackings on the Football League. Uh, Paul Tisdale, who is a, uh, he was a model, by the way, for uh, Next, I think it is, or uh, some clothing brand. Uh, basically, he just pimps out the stuff on the touchline. He was sacked as Bristol Rovers manager, not for his dress sense, of course. Uh, it was for a run of 10 games out of the win. Uh, and the last game in charge was a 2-0 home loss to Oxford United, and the point goes to them. Uh, on the same day, Keith Curl was sacked by Northampton Town uh, as a team are currently sitting 21st in League One. And uh, Wigan gets the kill on that one. Uh, last game against them, a 1-0 home loss. And then most recently then was Bristol City um, sacking Dean Holden as their manager after a run of six losses in a row which in one week uh, lost 6-0 to Watford and then 2-0 to Reading. So on the day of the Reading loss... Yeah, I know, right? a thing. Yeah, and I, I'm fairly sure... Like, now, Watford did beat them 6-0. I'm not sure if they sacked their manager because of that. I will check up on that. But um, 
As far as I know, I, like, I think any job. manager, if they lose to Watford 6 0, like a team that barely exists, then yeah. yeah be, uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But nevertheless, I don't know if it's for the Watford. Ghost. <laughs> exactly. They've Scooby Doo'd it all together, lads, I tell you. Um, but yeah, the I don't know if it's for the Watford uh, game or not, but uh, the point goes to Reading on that uh, regard anyway. So, still leading is lead with Town on three kills, but currently joint second are MK Dons and Wigan who get their second kill of the season. So, uh, yeah, moving up in the world, Wigan. Good on them. Um, so, I suppose, lads, let's talk about the Champions League, shall we? We've had a bit of uh, we've had a bit of movement in this uh, already since we've uh, spoken to you. A few of the matches have kicked off. Uh, we mentioned already the Leipzig Liverpool game, so we won't go into that again. But we're leading two 0 in the first leg. Um, again, COVID's weird because there's not actually home and away games this time. So we're going to like the beautiful destination cities like Budapest and Rome, where COVID almost certainly doesn't exist. In all fairness, happens. like if you're gonna play in like a neutral venue, the Pushkas Arena, that's 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 the one that's you want to play. One. That's a you nice one. Play, you want to fucking play there. Like I'd almost prefer to play there. Than... <laughs> I don't know what it is. I actually quite like the neutral venue thing. I don't know why. It's wrong. It's fundamentally wrong. But it's nice to just go like, oh, we're gonna have Barca PSG in Stockholm. It's like, yeah, boy. Pre-season like, vibes, I love it. It's like the uh, the Euros that's been spread around Europe that you just go yeah. to a random city. Mm. Um, and I actually think that it was a good idea. My my dad, who, you know, his, his you know, general opinion on football is grumpy. Um, <laughs> <he's>, uh, <laughs> his general opinion on football is the ball is the wrong shape. I like I, I like that that was just slighting your dad there by the way. So it's like oh, I just fell him. It's like it's football we're talking about. I, I don't see your point. <laughs> it's but, still a um, ball, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no. He he was like basically saying like um, he he, he was like uh, he was kind of trying to compare it to like Formula One that like mm. the destinations like you'd go off to play the Swiss. Uh, you know, Grand Prix or whatever, and you'd have the yeah. swift round of the Champions League. So, like, random cities get assigned a Champions League draw. Um, so, and he was, it would just be one leg. This is his mm. idea of cutting everything down, but you have to go off to a random neutral venue. Um, and he was like, it would bring like the Champions League to like the places who wouldn't necessarily get Champions League football. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I was like, that's actually not the worst idea you've ever had um and i was actually quite impressed with it i was like that could actually be a thing and he, like he's clearly just copying the idea that the euros had which is having it but he he <laughs> hates the two they he does hate the two legs of a champions league um ever <laughs> he was like ever since uh we got knocked out by an away goals versus barcelona and he was like i know that thing. feel i know that um, feel so um yeah, no, he. Uh, yeah, that was that, that's my dad's input into the Champions mm. League this year. Uh, he was watching uh, it during the week. He just messaged me and he was just like, yeah. "What? There's another leg of this shit next week. Fuck this." I like that. No, I, it's good. I mean, um, <laughs> it, it's it's good to have the kind of input on. So, Demo, if you're interested, come on the show, man, and we'll talk about this more. I mean, the European Super League is clearly happening, so we need to get more ideas on board here. You know, so destination cities is definitely the way to go here. That has actually been talked about, by the way, with this like grotesque European Super League that they do want to do like in, like destination cities. 
But the destination cities they're talking about is like Qatar and fucking Dubai and oh, Singapore. Yeah. Like, are you having a fucking laugh, lads? Honestly, well, saw, I'm sure you've seen that. Um, the the sheik wouldn't acknowledge the uh, the Qatari. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was uh, apparently. Now I've been reading about this. Apparently, that was a director from Jenny Fantino. Like he, t- like uh, supposedly he had told the female officials, "Don't don't shake their hands because it's apparently the Qatari um families have a like it's a religious thing. They can't touch anyone they're not actually uh, related to, whether it be their wives or their sisters or their mothers. Yeah, it's they can't touch other yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very. I can't outdated touch thing. anybody. I can't, I can't touch anybody with a lower net worth than me because my religion won't allow it. Yeah. <laughs> it's also called Protestantism. Um, nevertheless. <laughs> but yeah, so again, we talked about Leipzig, Liverpool already. Um, I suppose some of these were a bit of a surprise. Um, Porto, Juventus, uh, Andrea Perlo's Juventus, no less, mugged off by Porto, which is a bit of a surprise considering uh, that. Uh, Perlo is not impressed. I don't think anyone's really impressed with Perlo, are they? Like, it's, no, it, it no, really makes like, sense. He's got like I, I love Perlo as a player. Like, thought he would absolutely. He's had no managerial experience and mm. I don't want that to tarnish his record. I don't want his shit managing record, which is quite bad mm. um, in terms of what Juventus are like expecting of him. Um, like, yeah, I, I feel like he's mm. going to get a bad record. Yeah, because I'm I'm actually just currently looking at the uh, Syria A, and I actually didn't realise this at the time, but they're currently sitting fourth in the league, and yeah. they're being outdone by both Milan sides, who are both as resurgent as the other. Like AC in particular, very strange seeing them like like contending for the championship now, but they are like li- literally a blue chip team, and considering Juventus have done nothing but like poach superstars from all their other rivals over the last few years, now suddenly they have a manager who can't make that work. Even though they kind of did with Sari, but not to the same extent. Like Sari couldn't get a tune out of him because no one fucking liked him. Um, poor fucker. Like by the way, like ever since he left Napoli, no one likes him. <laughs> is he a fascist or something? Like what? What is the what's the hold up with Sari? Does he keep blowing smoke into people's faces or something? Well, if you if you want fascists, go to the third place team, which is Lazio. <laughs> oh yes, uh, Roma actually. Yes, Roma's uh, third. Yes, well, you know give or take you know but yes Lazio uh, Lazio is where you want to go if you want to see Mussolini's uh, grandkid uh, Turk out for the uh, great great grandkids yes yes absolutely you couldn't have even given him a fake name like Mussolini or something like that no no no, 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 no. He, he kept his name yeah great grandson of Benito Mussolini Romano Mussolini he, uh, yeah he's in their under 19 team outstanding I'm sure he has as much footballing talent as his granddad did but um <laughs> But nevertheless, uh, but yeah, so it, it, it's a bit of a surprise, but again, it, it probably isn't if you do kind of look at how Juventus have been playing all season. They just don't seem to have a chemistry there. The well, team just doesn't just, make sense. I mean, it just comes from like a friend of mine who lives in Italy and watches a lot of Italian football. So I, I usually just ping him an email. I was like, here, before this, I was like, here, look, just give me a lowdown. Mm. In particular, before Champions League football, it's just like, look, if Ronaldo's not firing, Juve ain't doing nothing really. Yeah, that's um, what kind of strikes me as well. Yeah, that's it. Um, I was saying there to you earlier on that Inter might go under. They're a hundred and two <laughs> million quid in debt. Um, and it's bad. 
Like yeah. it's, it's really fucking bad. Like they're horrendously in debt. And so, it's worse as well because they don't even have Europa League football to fall back on. They've got yeah. they like finished bottom of the group, so like they've got no European money to come in. No, they've none. And that's the thing. Like he's like he's saying that it's the first time in a long time that both Milano teams have had a kind of gun fight at the top yeah. of the league. And he's like that. Do- like with the Italian, with other leagues, and if it's only two teams shooting it out at the top, that kind of stagnates everything else. But mm-hmm. in um, Serie A, if it's both the Milano team shooting it out at the top, everybody else really gets involved. Like it's it, yeah, it, it's a very romantic thing. Like it's like if it's like Liverpool Everton in the eighties. Yeah, for that some weird deal. reason. Yeah, like if you imagine mm. if Liverpool Everton were gunning it out for first and second, you'd be like, oh, I'd love it. I'm I living in this love it, yeah. timeline. Hmm. So yeah, no, it's just it's just crazy. But um they're both supercharged by their strikers. I think Inter have Lula, Lukaku and Milan have oh sorry. Yes, no Milan you're right. Have Lu- no, you're right the first time. Inter has Lukaku and Latera Martinez and Zatan and Zatan's at AC. Yeah, Zlatan's with the other one, yeah. So they're both yes. basically just top heavy striker led teams just mm. gunning it. Old school Italian, to be fair. Like, yeah, all, it is. Yeah, all like defensive with one like shit hot striker, and um, whereas Juve had that kind of like, oh, we're not going to be that defensive banking team. We're going to just kind of try and play creative football and feed Ronaldo. But if Ronaldo's mm. not, on, you know, up for being fed, then there's no end product. Um, I, I've been keeping an eye on Juve a little bit just uh, because of Aaron Ramsey. I um. And he, he doesn't he doesn't get to play that often. Um yeah. he he's like injured a lot, you know, shocking, shockingly. Um You can take Arsenal out of the boy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, watching them like I watched a handful of their matches and they I hate Ronaldo, as you are well aware, and anyone who well listens aware. Yes, they're well aware of um like it, I hate him, but Literally, Juve have no other option. It's like Tottenham and Harry Kane. Um, but it's almost like, even if he's not on the pitch, it's like they're looking around, or they're on the ball, they're passing around teams, and they're like, hold on a second, like, what, you know, where's Ronaldo? Shit, he's not on the pitch. Who else do we, can we pass it to? Anybody? What happens now? And then they have just no plan B that is in any way, like, useful. Mm. Um, yeah, because I, I recall this um, coming up with that, um, like Perlo was having a bit of trouble with his midfield in preseason. Like he, we wanted to try and flood the midfield, and all of his players he didn't like. So the likes of like the your your uh, Rabios and Ramseys, all these players, he like all oh, shrewd signings to make on free transfers that Juventus love to do, and then literally like the one player to like kick to kickstart the whole team was Weston McKenney, a twenty year old American from Schalke on loan. Like, they can't even buy him this season. They're waiting until next season to buy him. And he is completely running that team. But again, it's so much to so much on, on a player who's only like three or four years professional. So, it, like, it, when you're a team like Juventus, having to rely on a 20-year-old like that, when you have Ronaldo, Morata, Rabiot, Chiesa, Chiellini, all these senior players, it kind of shows you something's flawed in the system. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, when you go back to the... Um... The most recent game against Porto. Yeah. I'm like, I wouldn't even mind, but afterwards, like, it's there's a curious thing in Italian football where, like, the managers are quite open about, oh, we went for this guy. 
mm-hmm. oh we we did this to to like nullify them like you know in the post-match interviews when they asked them I was like yeah. oh my god Porto you beat Juve 2-0 how did you do it and like <laughs> the Porto manager will literally go yeah we gave Chiellini lots of time on the ball because he doesn't know what to do with it <laughs> we just, <laughs> and we marked Ronaldo because we know if he gets the ball, we're going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, and if they bring on Ramsey, we'll mark him because if he gets the ball, he's going to kill us. Mm. Um, but we mark Rabio out of the game. Um, we don't allow Chiesa any one on ones because he's great in those situations. Mm-hmm. We double up on him. Yeah. And then, yeah, they've got. They've got, they've got none. This is cancelling out the team, and that that, that shows you how one dimensional they are. The interviews are brilliant though, but because they just literally go like, "Yeah, this is how I did it. I marked that guy, marked that guy, didn't mark that guy because he's crap." <laughs> just, <laughs> that, that is very similar to what really most recently said. Yes. Like, but she wasn't even as blunt as that. But she was typical. Emma Hayes are like. So, you know, you've got this incredible record against Arsenal, like one of the big teams in the league. <laughs> just went, yeah, they try to play a style and we play winning. <laughs> <laughs> we play a style, we win the game or something like that, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was very, it was very Charlie Sheen, I'm by winning. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like, yeah. Um, like, here, look, no, here, look, I've got the, I've got the quotes up here, right? So, um... This was the Porto Juve match. And this is direct post match quotes from the Porto manager. Up until the 70th minute, Juve created nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Marega stopped Rabio. Giorgio and Cellini had problems in the build up. Contessao allowed Juve the least comfortable amount of time on the ball. We played mm. a great game, one that was by no means spectacular because we had to defend, but you need to do that against Juve. What, what I love about that is that um, I, don't I don't know if you remember this story. It's just like <laughs> until the 70th minute, they did nothing because like they can't do anything when we play our game. It's fucking, I love, so, there's just some it's shit. The candor like, of it, yeah. The candor of it. Like everybody loves um, David Luiz's candor of his first post-match interview for Arsenal when he just turned around and went, yeah, look, we're just not fit enough to do what Arteta is telling us to do mm. <laughs> for 90 minutes. And everybody loved to that. And, yeah. you know, you just, you go to Italian football and you get that in fucking spades because they're all like, get this guy's gash. That's yeah. why I marked him. <laughs> That's what I love about them. Um, I don't know if you remember the story from the group stages, but um, Porto and Man City are the same group. And Pep Guardiola and the Porto manager, uh, Sergio Coenzao, don't like each other at all. In fact, they hate each other, right? And, like, Coenzao isn't even really liked in Portuguese football as much. Like, he's, at, like, like, um, Behavior-wise, or I say, I suppose, like, um, personality-wise, he's, like, the football manager of, like, Malcolm Tucker. So, like, he literally just goes in and eviscerates people with, like, his accents and, like, threatens to kill their children and somehow gets a performance out of them, you know? I can imagine him just going, like, I will fucking eviscerate you. I will kill you all. And then turn to another person and go, give me a curly whirly. And that's, like, that's where you get the team working. <laughs> if you don't win this match, I will have you killed in a way that can only be described as... Deeply pornographic. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to be using, as part of my match analysis, some violent sexual imagery. And I'm just making sure that you're okay with that. (laughs) 
Uh, yes, uh, Malcolm Tucker, the public manager, is never going to happen for obvious reasons. Um, it's this too is fun- real. It's too fucking yes. real. It's too real. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never happen. It'll um, too real. Yes. Um, Sevilla and Dortmund was a bit of crack, lads. 3-2 in the first leg. Uh, Holland doing Holland things and uh, winning the game for Dortmund. Uh, well, Dortmund. winning the game all on his own. Yeah. Uh, he's just a ridiculous fucking prick of a player. Like, yeah. he's not in our league. He's the future, Neil. He's the future. He's not in our league. He's not anywhere near us and I don't want him anywhere near the Premier League unless he's lining up with a fucking cannon on his, the left side of his chest. Can I point out, um, by the way, there is one team that could sign him in England. Leeds. Leeds? He was born in Leeds. Oh, fuck that. No, and he's a Leeds, un- he's a Leeds he's United a, fan. Look, he, he knows what he's worth. He knows what he can do. He ain't going to fucking Leeds. Okay, right? that was me joking, obviously. But the other team that is that, is, that <laughs> they actually play for was Man City. Yeah, of course it's City. So uh, they've, had, they've had to come out and deny that they were even in talks with Messi. Why? People have to stop linking Messi to this. He's not. He's going home. He's going to Newell's. He's not going anywhere else. He's going home to Argentina to buy the fucking country. That's what's going on there, lads. Jonathan, I saw an article today that says he's signing for Shamrock Rovers. So, like, you know. <laughs> Are you that's are you confusing? Like, like are, are you confusing like the Guardian for FIFA twenty one again? Because like <laughs> that is easily done. It's very similar coverage. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's still well, well poised too. Like honestly, like fun teams just having it out. Like it's great. Um, and uh, oh, this is also fun as well. Barca one, PSG four. Yeah. <laughs> All the cows have come home to roost. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, there was a good um, article in the Guardian state about this match saying, "Oh, Barca betted on the wrong French wonder kid because mm. obviously they went for Awesome and Dembele, wasn't he? He was the, they, went, they went for Dembele over Mbappe. Yes. Yeah, That's they went for Dembele over Mbappe, and it was Mbappe who absolutely fucking creamed them with a hat trick. Yeah. But in all I fairness, honest, lads, the notion of a Pochettino-managed PSG team is very unnerving to me. Even though the French league is currently on fire, them in Europe could be a very serious proposition. In all fairness, like I will say one thing, right? They're constantly they're going to be held back by Neymar because he's had his customary injury in and around his sister's birthday. Oh what? Um, because what well, was hilarious? There was an article about <laughs> this. Right space there. <laughs> Do you not know this? I know yeah. it. I hate it. He gets the exact same injury every single time every year. And I wouldn't even mind, right? But I wouldn't even mind about it, right? But the one time he didn't have that injury, they got to the final of the Champions League and they wound up being put out by Bayern. So the one time that he doesn't do this, they get to the final. And that's in like seven seasons. And it's it it it's spooky, it's creepy. And I, and I wonder, is it was there something, Neil, actually, now that I'm thinking more about this. Was there something that was preventing him from traveling to Brazil for his sister's birthday? Ooh, maybe, 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 maybe. But he totally ignored it and had his own kind of like week-long party in the middle of a fucking global pandemic. Did he? Did he? Well, he really must be sexually repressed. Was his mother there, I wonder? I'll Google that. Carry on, Neil. Let's hope so, because if anything, she was on a pole dancing. Yes, which has actually happened. Carry on. 
but um yeah no it was just it was just crazy uh but yeah like mbappe was just he was just fucking running it yeah but um funnily enough like people are always saying oh mbappe but if anything, this proves how wasted he is in the French league because he can't, oh, totally, yeah. he can't do this shit again on the regular against other teams in the French league because they're all so bad. It's like he need, like, funnily enough, this is kind of like they're all saying, stating that match as an assertion of how Paris Saint Germain are a like, global force. And was like, if anything, the person who's the source of that force, which is Mbappe, needs to get out of there because he's wasted. Yeah. So fucking good. Um, like one of the tweets from one of the writers who was there, who was going, I've never seen anybody explode out of a step over like Mbappe. I was like, the fuck's he talking about? So I went back and I watched like the extended highlights. And he's fucking right. Like he seems mm. to do a step over. And then the instant he's finished the step over, he's at full speed. And there's no transition period there. Like he's gone over the ball. And then he's at full speed. And you're like, if you're a defender, you're looking at him going, the fuck? How it's like the thing where Henri used to be able to just like dribble the ball at full full stretch, yeah, full strike. Yeah. It's like, like, he shouldn't be, the ball is, is attached to him, surely. It's on a string. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even a ball attached to him. It's just like, he's done a step over. He's done two. He's done a yeah. third one. And now he's running, but he's running at full speed. And yeah. you've just stood still. You're going, I'm not catching this cunt. Like it, it, this is ridiculous. And this is why people yeah. are like in Liverpool Twitter are getting stupidly excited at the very possibility of him signing for Liverpool. I don't think it's going to happen for what it's worth. Any look, any team that signs him and can properly utilize him will win the league. I have. No I, I will point out. Imagine if Klopp could manage Mbappe. That's a fucking frightening prospect. I don't know. I think Big Sam would be a good match for him. <laughs> he does know strikers. He knows a Big lot Sam, of strikers. Big Sam will have him lumping both sets of studs into the fucking ankle of a right back in no time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the, the yeah. frightening thing is that Patrocino knows this type of stuff and he's going to build mm. around Mbappe. And yeah. the thing is, is that this is going to further make the Neymar alienation even more pronounced because Pochettino is not going to stand for Neymar just going, I'm not going to play today. Yeah, because if they just slot out Neymar for Di Maria and like when Di Maria is usually in that PSG team, they play really fucking well because he's a really, he's a great team player. And also, what team doesn't play well with Di Maria? In oh, totally. I, I, again, I totally agree. No, no, no. In a, in a room I'll, of superstars. I'll, like, I'll give you one. Manchester United. They don't play well with fucking Di Maria for some fucking stupid reason. Mm. Hence why they sold them off. The yes. fucking idiots. Solid choice there, lads, wasn't it? Oh yeah, total solid choice. Yes. So let's but, let's um, review what the other ties are looking like at the moment. These are the ones that were being played this week. Uh Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Man City, and which is obviously going to be from Algebra Man City, you'd hope. Although fun fact, the Mönchengladbach coach, uh, Marco Rose, is now the Dortmund manager. He is going to be taking over that team from the uh, summer onwards. So that team that deal's already agreed. He's going to see out the con. See how this move with Manchin Gladbach. The incestuous circle of life of German football continues. Consumed, consumed, consumed. <laughs> like, legit, like, that, that is what German football is. Like, Manchin Gladbach to Dortmund is seen as a promotion, even though they're kind of, like, on the same level in the league. It's such, it's, it's a weird, like, class system, which, like, doesn't, it is in English football, but not to the same degree, where you could say, like, oh, yeah, everything will have Carlo Ancelotti. That's fine. Makes sense. Totally. 
Um, or like stupid things happen, like, you know, Rafa is signing for Newcastle, who are like a championship side. Let's be delicate about this. Um, Lazio versus Bayern Munich also has the uh, possibility of being a very tasty match, considering Lazio don't do defending and they only do attacking. Um, and I think the, they're also, I think they're going to have to play Pepe Reina in goal because we have a goalkeeper problem and he's 40. So that's going to be fun because... That's not, like, that's not super old for a goalkeeper. Like, Oh no, but Pepe Reina has been around for like 50 years. So I'm trying to take it down to account. <laughs> he's been around for 10 years longer than he has been alive. That's how good a goalkeeper he is. That's how good a goalkeeper he is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, um, but yeah, 40, a lot of people are thinking Munich is not bad for a goalkeeper. Like if he was yeah. like a central defender, I'd be like, "Oh, you you're the shit now." Yes. But for a goalkeeper, nah, that's all right. Hmm. And what do we think of Munich this year? Do we think like they're a fairly good contender to repeat from no, last year? Um, they need to spruce it up. They've there's a stagnation that's set that's about to set in there. But hmm. in all fairness to them they've recognised that and they're trying to mix it up. Yeah. I I have not watched as much German football as <laughs> I would like uh, and as I used to like over the summer. But um, I would say that I'd still there to say they're very strong contenders. They just know how to win the Champions League. When you've got that kind of legacy behind you, it's very difficult to kind of usurp that. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same opinion. Like, I think from the class I kind of see here, like, because I'm kind of seeing like Liverpool will probably drop off at some point. Um, Real, the same, like Real could very well go out because uh, they're facing Atalanta. And I'll be honest, lads, I reckon Atalanta will knock them out. So I, I, I that's my, I, it's, it, I, it's a hot take, but Atalanta are really fucking good. Okay, granted, Atalanta are mess, are, have lost Papu Gomez, who was kind of their talisman. But I- do Atla- Atlantis have like home advantage or are they going to be playing in a neutral venue? Because if they're playing at home, like underwater will always mm. suit them. <laughs> this, I think what they're doing is they're trying to find like a suitable part of land in the Pacific to try and get them as a home. To- now, again, cold regulations permitting, I don't think that's possible. So they they'll may play, play. Like, they'll play in a bay or somewhere. Like yeah, that. I think that, like, on, like beach football maybe. So yeah, it's something halfway, halfway there. Like yeah. That. It's not ideal. It's not ideal, obviously. But no, I, I do like for what it's worth. I think Real Madrid are getting knocked out in the in, in this round. Um, Atletico, I think they're good, but they're not. I don't think they're they're Champions League final quality, if you know what I mean. I see it between. Well, they're starting to slip off in the league. And yeah, this is what has me thinking. Injuries are starting to kick in, like serious, serious. Because yeah. I think they will knock out Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea are good enough to beat them, and um, so they will get knocked them out at least. But I think from quarterfinal onwards, that's where it gets a bit more tricky because for what for, for what it's worth, I think it's between PSG and Munich. Um, actually, no, sorry, not Munich, uh, Man City. I think it's between those two clubs myself because Man City have got the got the flow now. They've got a very easy pass in the round of 16. I don't know who they're going to get the quarters. It could be us again, which would be hilarious. Um, but uh, either way, like I don't see anyone really threatening those two or three teams um, getting to the final. In a sense, it could be just a look of the draw in that in that regard. But um, I, I welcome what you guys think about that. But that's that's who I'm thinking for the for the Champions League. No, I'd go with PSG, Bayern, and you know, uh, yeah, not PSG and Bayern. Yeah. Mm, okay. I am of the same uh, opinion. I think Man City's form in the league, while it's good, 
they don't have that legacy of winning the Champions League before. And sure. I do think it's too much of a monkey on Pep's back. I think like he'll overthink it. This is what I'm yeah. thinking because like they have been a lot more solid this year, but when it comes down to it, they're going up against a team, let's say, let's say they come up against a team like Atalanta, who have like a very unique way of playing. He's going to look at that and go thinking, I have to do something else now to beat them. And they get mugged off, you know, like they did with Leon. Like Leon were not like a complicated team. They just played the ball forward and counterattacked. But when like someone like Pep plays into their hands, you know, history can repeat itself. So I'm kind of, that's what has me kind of like slightly uh, pessimistic on City's side. I think, I still think if they get like decent draws, it might be all right. But it's, it's, it, you know, when I say decent draws, it's against like top teams, not like, Leon's and, and so forth because that's where they kind of trip up in a weird way um, so yeah it's interesting to see um, obviously the Europa League has happened as well so you guys are in a in a time of Benfica one apiece uh, Spurs comfortably into the next round more or less with the Wolfsburger result United beat Sociac 4-0 um, Rangers uh, had a 4-3 ding-dong with Royal Antwerp which was good apparently that was a crazy ass match apparently match of the season match of the year for a lot of people I, just looking back and forth the stream I was watching had pop-ups of what was happening in the other match. And I was like, nah, this can't actually be happening. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Last kick of the game, a penalty to make it 4-3. And I was like, oh, I need to watch the highlights. But then I fell asleep. Well, you got something to do before when this podcast off. is over. Yeah, absolutely. But um, but yeah, like, I suppose the kind of question is, how do you rate your chances in the in the Europa League? Do you think it's... Because obviously, like, the league table doesn't really favour you at this point. So, Champions League football, really the only way to do that is to win the Europa League at the no, moment. I, no, I, I still reckon we're pretty damn good with the Europa League. Like, we've mm. got one of the best first teams out of everybody there. Yeah. So, it's just... We like, just need not to, like, bottle it. The, the Benfica, this thing, this is a hiccup. Like, yeah, the, no, I, I, I would still rate our chances in the Europa League. Yeah. Um, I would not like make us odds on favourites, but I do think we are like still within a chance. Hmm. Yeah, I think like um, I suppose on paper he has already seemed like one of the better um sets as it were um in there. Like, to be fair, I think a lot of the English sides were quite strong in this Europa League this year, you know, because um, out of the teams that kind of dropped down into the, um, the Europa League, there weren't any major hitters, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. like, I'm thinking, like, like Ajax would probably drop off because, again, it's just the way the team is at the moment. And likewise, with probably Red Bull Salzburg. They're all very transitional teams. Um, and obviously, you've drawn Benfica, so that kind of, like, solves that issue itself. And... Um, as opposed to like any teams outside of that, I'd probably say I, I fancy Milan to go quite strong into that into the competition. Um, what I fancy also, is to beat them. They're, they've got huge weaknesses. They do. They, they, they are a bit of a flawed defense. team, but like, still. Like that defence against the attack that we've formed now, I would mm. just love. They've, they'd stand no chance. True, true. Again, I, I can see your point in that. Shakhtar, I wouldn't uh, sleep on either. I think they were a bit hard done by group stage-wise, in the Champions League. And I think they're a very good Europa League side. Like, they made it to the semis last season. So, that's a possibility as well. Um, and I, as much as I, I'm pained to say it, I wouldn't rule out Spurs or United because no. it's it's a good chance for them to win something. Um, I'm not sure what they read on Leicester. Like, 
Leicester is a weird one because like they can kind of stick their twist on this one, can't they? Like they're in a very good position in the league. I think your feet are right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I think. I, I think also Leicester forgot they were in it as well, <laughs> and they realized, oh fuck, we have to fly to Prague. Shit. Okay. Um. But yeah, like I, I'm not too sure about them because it probably suits them better to focus on the league, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, no, they're they're on a shit hot run in the league. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think they would prioritize the Europa League too much. They mm. have a decent shout for qualification for Europe anyway. So yeah. Like whereas Arsenal are doing so badly, um, that is that a necessity, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's good. It, 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 I, I think it's going to be very English centric this this Europa League. I think like there's there's so many like inter- prominent teams in there that kind of need to get Champions League by the back door. So I, I I sense that's where it's going this season, but. It was the same case last year, and sure, fucking Inter won in the end. So uh, I suppose we all proven wrong in there in that regard. Anyway, uh, we just have enough time to talk about our cods, lads. So I'm going to go get first and get this fucker off my chest. Roy Keane. Um, I'm not going to spend much time on this. Roy Keane is a massive cunt. And <laughs> here, here. So, uh, okay, right. Listen, I know, like, I know a lot of like people in this country are Man United fans and therefore having an Irishman in the team in one of the most successful periods of their of their um, club and their and their, too one of the most successful periods of their club yes that, that's far better phrased and um, it's obviously a great news but as a Liverpool fan I have never had this romance with Roy Keane in fact I have always despised Roy Keane not only for the fact of they use a Manchester United player true and true but also for Saipan and for 2002 World Cup because my prevailing memory of that World Cup is that Roy Keane ruined everything. And I yeah. will not be told otherwise. <laughs> you cannot revise this history that I've designed for myself. I will convince myself to the grave but that there Roy surely Keane... must be a more recent um, well, node to this anger. It's funny you should mention that, Neil, because Roy Keane has uh, carried himself quite a niche recently on Sky Sports as a pundit. And this is after um, doing stuff in ITV and so forth. So he's been a pundit for a while. This is not a new invention. Um, but what is a new invention are, is his uh, searing hot takes on what every Man United fan is thinking right now with a fucking Twitter account that Liverpool have bottled the jobs, they're bad champions, they're Man United are back and so forth. There's literally no semblance of thought of what he says. Like, as pundits go, he's one of the worst, in my opinion. And the reason I say that is because, like, he's paired up with Micah Richards, who is a very good TV pundit, but also makes very good points. Like, he's not... Yeah, like but Micah, Micah Richards is like literally the most positive man on the face of the earth. That's why I think it is a lovely contrast there. Because like, like the, yeah, if the bombs were dropping midway through one of his results, he'd be like, oh, we don't have to turn the lights on now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's, it's also kind of a remark on how like weak TV punditry is now, where it is just a case of like, well, we have this person from Burnley. Let's see what they think about their own club. Oh, well. They want their club to win. Colored me surprised. Let's have no critical analysis on this point whatsoever. Moving on. And that's kind of the level it is now where you can have Roy Keane and literally it is like whenever Liverpool is losing, it is this weekly dunk on Liverpool. And there's no critical analysis attached to but this. But in all fairness, like, right? No, in all fairness, I, I'm not playing. This isn't devil's yeah, yeah. behavior. But like the, the main point that most people would point to on this is when he claimed that Liverpool were sloppy in defence. Mm-hmm. Klopp called him out on it. 
actually got on air. That was so fucking cringy. Got on air and called him out on it. And then literally in the next match, in the very next match, Liverpool went and lost (laughs) 7-2. I know. It was like pure fucking karma. I get that. Sort of pure karmic uh, (laughs) fucking exercise. Yeah. And I think from then on, Klopp's, uh, sorry, Keane has been like, yeah, you fucking German cunt, yeah. Yeah, he's had that grudge since. I, I totally get that. And, 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 like, and I, suppose, like, I suppose, you know, in that regards, like, if you just turn around and said, right, I disagree with Keane there, because funnily enough, in the match that he was complaining about, they won, you won 2-0. That was the Arsenal game, yeah, 2-0, two, two yeah. Yeah, you won 2-0. And then he was like, well, I saw the defending was quite sloppy. And Klopp was like, well, we didn't concede a single goal, so what are you fucking talking about? Mm. But, but Keane's point was actually quite... And then yeah. he keeps doing what they're doing and they ship seven goals to fucking Villa. Villa, yeah. But um, this is the thing, like, see, Keane's point was actually quite valid back then. I, I would have loved Keane to have gone, oh, by the way, can we get a... Can we get Jorgen on the line here? I'll say he was gagging to do sloppy. that. Sloppy. Uh, yes. did, did you say, Mr. Klopp, you were not sloppy? Did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> We're not sloppy. Not sloppy. Did they score seven fucking goals against you? <laughs> so, like, cracking my keen impression, by the way. I uh, no, but what I mean <laughs> is that, like, to a degree, you can't. You can accuse Roy Keane of a lot of things, or clickbait being one of them. But team mm. bias is not. Like, he clearly wants Manchester United to do well. Yes, I would expect given his history with them, and I don't, I don't actually even mind that. But his, his nearly is putting the fucking boot into Liverpool. I think is purely because Klopp took him out one online, like yes. pure, on air on live TV. Yeah, and I and I can I can respect that. I can respect yeah. that aspect of it. And I, th- I think like I don't think Keane is one to forget a slight. <laughs> Keen, we're Keen well known for letting go of those yes. guys yes and I think well, like, he's like no you know okay then fine he didn't say anything he didn't say anything after the 7-2 loss because he's like well the I don't have line, to say anything yeah the scoreline speaks for itself and now he's just been putting the boo in every cat and I think that's kind of I'm not a fan of Roy Keen. I really am not mm. um but I think that's sort of a reap what you sow type of thing. It is. It is on the Klopp side for sure because I, we, we've mentioned before. I've even like nominated Klopp as a cod recently because yeah. he's been like so needle like needlessly getting into spats this season. Out of all seasons, he doesn't need to do this sort of thing. It's completely redundant. So the the stuff with the like like giving out the keen about the sloppy defending. By the way, this is like two weeks beforehand was the four three against Leeds. Where yeah. it was genuinely sloppy defending. So Klopp was totally in the wrong to give out to this point. We've been sloppy defending since the start of the season. That cannot Ooh. be denied. That that is true. Like, oh I, I haven't checked the scoreline. What's happened? Wolves are one nil up. Mesalera oh. on G. Oh, oh. yeah, actually it's a score now. Well, how about that? Live scores the day after it happened. Um oh. Ball off the bar, off the keeper. No way. FIFA glitch. I love Our to see it. Our must have slipped the ball full of oil 
and um, and Greece was actually involved. He was involved in the initial dribble forward. And he uh, managed to grease himself down that left flank. Just on the Roy Keane, the Roy Keane part there, like that, he is one of my nemesis from a very young age when I didn't understand, like, you know, having an arch nemesis, I was like, Roy Keane, yeah, that suits. He plays for Man United as an Arsenal fan. He hates Patrick Vieira, which as an Arsenal fan is unforgivable. And then he goes off and ruins Saipan. And I was totally team Mick, and you know I'm team Mick. Uh, Mick McCarthy. Um, Put your on the lad. Um, yeah, and I, I would, I, what I will say though, like when you have a pundit who is very clearly biased towards a club, um, doing, you know, uh, hot takes uh, and stuff like that, he is a good sound, he gets, he gets good sound bites out of him. And yeah, that he is serves what, a purpose that, in that, that sense. That's yeah. why he is there. And it's just, I suppose, like he's always been at that. He's always been doing these little sound bites. Um, so I think it's just because it's niggling at you that you're kind of picking him as a cod, but he's forever a cod. Mm. I think he's up there with John Delaney for like all time cods. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's up there with John Delaney and Barcelona as pure yeah. cod. <laughs> yeah. And maybe pure yeah. cod. Yes. And FIFA, definitely. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, the, like the reason, the reason Keane's annoying me now was the was the whole Liverpool are bad champions remark and the whole uh, bad champions thing as well. Like, how do you, how are you a bad champion? Like, how? Yes. How? What 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 do you mean by that? Is oh, what I'm trying to. Yeah, bad champions. Like, I never got that. Like, it's just no. like he it's tries a, to justify it by saying, "Oh, it's a lot of excuses, a lot of excuses creeping in here." Like Wait, just bad champions. Three like, of our centre backs are out for the season. Like, that's not an excuse. That's fact. The entire defensive line is out. Like the entire defence is out. Yeah. Um, our captain is our number one centre back right now, and he's a fucking number eight. Yeah. What do you exactly. Expect? Like, if you were playing a centre defence, you'd be pissed off as well. Like, get, yeah, get over like, yourself. Like, you're only like your full backs now have to actually like play in defence. They're not meant to do. Like, yeah. Trent Ale- like Alexander Arnold and he's Robert not a defender. <laughs> They're crap defenders. Like say what you want about them, but they are really crap defenders. Oh no, they're not there for the tackling lads. I'll say that no, much. Like no, but this the, this is the annoying point, right? Because I, I made it. I was the reason I say this because he made the point after the Man City game, which I think he was actually more annoyed that City won more than anything else. He was hoping. I think he was hoping that both teams somehow lost. Um, and somehow got like trapped in a separate dimension, so they never existed at all. I mean, you know, I could win for the next thirty years, bitter prick. But the reason I'm saying that as a comparison was that he makes his remark like a completely unsubstantiated remark with no like proof or indications or any suggestion of why this is. He just says, "Oh, the bad champions," as if like fucking like Paddy two one six seven eight but posted that on fucking like Allison's fucking Twitter account. You know, it's exact same remark with no like proof to back it up. But then you go to BT Sport, for example, right? Rio Ferdinand, also well-known for being a Man United player, did an actual breakdown of why they're bad this season. And you know what it is? It's because of the midfield and the defending. He broke it down why they're so disjointed and why these things are happening. That's called analysis, Roy Keane. If you actually actually tried to go for the RTE gig when you had the chance, rather than being a sort of bitter prick, you actually would have learned all this stuff beforehand, rather than just going for a soundbite and some fucking flame emojis like you do in Sky Sports. He commented on the defence 
but he's not a defender, whereas Rio is a defender, so he actually has a bit of like yeah. Here's the thing, Roy Keane. Roy Keane, in his, even though he's such a great player and such a solid like team captain, he wouldn't be caught dead defending for his team. He would not if he, if Alex Ferguson told him, "Can you be centre back?" He'd just no. They told you to do it. Get someone else. I'm a midfielder. So the fact that like even other players are willing to do that role as opposed to Keane, who's like, "No, I'm doing this," and if you don't do this, I'm going to kick off and go to Celtic. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to accept your opinion. You know, it's 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 a new point because you've got nothing to back it up, except for your own club, of course. Where when Rio Ferdinand did get like was out for the season, your whole team fell apart. So even your own club that you were playing for at the time had a very similar season to how Liverpool is having now, and you're not going to mention that. That's not going to be part of your argument for and against. Funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, so who uh, wants to uh, go first? I'm going to go on and I will talk about my favourite, other than Phil Neville, I think, and John Delaney. Mm-hmm. I think the FA is one of my most used cards. Um, but this week, <sighs> because of um, the lack of pitches available for uh, women's games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So during the last... Uh, two weeks and there has been like double figures of like elite sports games cancelled due to the weather and mm. um, yet there's been weather in terms of like the snow has been bad so the travel has affected the teams fair enough but there was a match during the week uh, where five minutes before the Birmingham match kicked off the match was cancelled up until five minutes, the teams were still doing their warm-ups. They were still doing, uh, get you know, all ready to go. With five minutes to go, the pitch was deemed unplayable. Um, and this was the Birmingham pitch where they had brought out mobile heaters onto the pitch to melt because it was snow and ice was the reason that the, the match had been cancelled. And basically, they couldn't move the uh, portable heaters to enough parts of the pitch in time. Um, and this, uh, <laughs> in this day and age, I know the FA WSL is a relatively new competition. Um, it's been going since 2011. And, you know, women aren't really taken seriously in general. Um, mm. But I do think it is a bit farcical that, like, they can still be like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Just give us five minutes and we'll get the, the pitch set up. It's fine. Uh, and then the pit, like the referees, like five minutes, like calling it. Like I had the live stream up, and there was just silence. And I was like, "What the hell?" You know, as the FA player, um, they don't tend to kick in with the commentary mm. uh, until <laughs> three minutes before kickoff. And um, it did uh, start. Um, it, like it came on, but you could just hear like kind of crowd noise and kind of buzzing and kind of. I was like, okay, the commentator is going to jump on, and then nothing. And I was like, what the hell? And I went onto Twitter. I was like, well, maybe there's an issue with the FA player; it's not working. Uh, and then it was like, oh no, no, the match has actually been cancelled uh, with no warning. Like it. The idea last year that Liverpool's woes and relegation. Um, battle was caused by the Prenton Park uh, facilities and mm. uh, was meant to have been a push for the FA to provide better facilities for the women's teams. Um, you've got the likes of Reading who now have equal access to the Majeski 
Um, so they play all their home matches in the Majeski. Um, and you've got some of the teams have like, like the city grounds and things like that are decent pitches that are well maintained because they're shared with men's teams. But mm. the teams that only have either a League One or a women's team only pitch are not looked after. And they're having known the issues faced by Liverpool last year, the FA had time to make a contingency plan to make sure that these matches go ahead. Arsenal have been like, uh, they've played one match in seven weeks. I'm sorry, two matches now in seven weeks. And both of them were Chelsea and Man City. And because of Christmas break, pitches being unplayable and then Dubai gate. That was their Mm. own making, can't fault them on that. But they've had so many matches cancelled. They've had another match cancelled this uh, last match day. Um, it's really fucking up my fantasy football team as well. Um, and, you know, <laughs> the, main, the main victim of all of this. Um, but this is things that could have been avoidable. Like they, they looked into using St. George's Park, I think it's called, which is the Lioness's training facility mm. um, as an alternative. So if a pitch is deemed unplayable or deemed likely to be unplayable the night before, pitch teams could then move to uh, that neutral facility and play the match there uh, and why that hasn't been explored as an option is just farcical and it's really really frustrating because the league has had so many opportunities to take away like viewership from you know FA Cup ties that people aren't interested in the Premier League matches they've been scheduled at a different time so that they could draw in a crowd and then the matches are cancelled and it's just mm. It's just a farce and it's just, it's tiring complaining about how women's football is treated. And yet here I am. It's actually a really solid proof that the FA considers women's football and indeed the Women's Super League as a complete afterthought. Like to them, their priorities is keeping the leagues going and keeping the cup competitions going. And a symptom of that is that these pitches that are being used for like say League One, League Two actions, that's like 23 games in that season plus whatever, like, uh, cup games. So not only are they going for, like, uh, like Carabao and FA Cup, but they also have the, uh, the whatever, the Johnson's Paint Trophy, whatever it's called now, just for, the, for League One and League Two sides. So that's, yeah. consi- that, it, that's been stubbornly insisted on being played with. And, <laughs> again, these are, like, so these are pitches now that are, get, that are seeing a, at least a minimum of 30 games in that season during, like, the winter months where, like, the, the weather is so bad and yeah. like, and the upkeep on these pitches are actually getting worse because these teams are slowly dying because of the no money. And then all throughout all this, the women's teams all have to find a home as well because they're either satellites of men's teams and they they're somehow not they're either the stadiums are too big to play in or there's different priorities in play, or your your could be like the Reddings and your Bristol's and you have to be prioritized in some way so that yeah. the, the the bigger competitions on paper have to be played. So, like, it's, it's a rotten situation, and it does really show to me that they don't really give a shit about women's football. When the World Cup happened, they kind of they pretended to like it. They, they pretended to know who Ellen White is. You know, Lucy Bronze, I know her. She's on FIFA. You know, she's 92 on FIFA. She has really good throwing ability. No, she doesn't. But anyway, but the point is that, like, when it actually comes down to brass tacks, actually trying to care and facilitate women's football or any form of equality in football, the FA are way out of their depth. In fact, they don't even give a shit about it. It's not on their priorities. The priorities is not going under. So like it's, it's just a case of like, 
when you if if you wanted to play this truncated season, and then now you want to try and like have obviously the women's football was such an afterthought. So yeah, obviously we just like we'll forget about that for another year or another five years until football's back to normal, and then it'll just constantly be on the back burner since then. So you can see there where the priorities are. It lies in the fucking football pitches, ironically enough. Yep. So. Yep. Um, mm. And that's why they are my cods. Yes, exactly. Um, so, Neil, uh, we're about to have a very candid conversation about journalism because we are the biggest journalisms in the room. Hosts. Yes. Um, yes. Um, basically, I had to kind of just go through a lot of feeds the last couple of days and just one really stuck in me which mm-hmm. was um, Tuchel had to repel suggestions that Pulisic might be getting signed by Barcelona or Real Madrid which I found like like now he did it in his own diplomatic like oh Arsenal signed Christian for a reason uh, we want to to play here. He very efficient. That type of shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Like, who's asking those questions? Like last month, Barcelona released. They they opened their accounts basically. Did the public their publicly traded company? So they have they kind of yes. released their accounts, and they released their accounts, which is basically a screaming black bar of despair. Lovecraftian <laughs> where, where, horror. Where there is where there is no money. Like, yes, they owe seven hundred million euros in the short term, mm. right? Short term. So they seven hundred million, seven hundred million that they pay by the year's end. Yeah, they're not going to do. Um, they owe one point two billion in the long term, which is crazy. Uh, Real's debts are three point five, sorry, three hundred and fifty five million. Mm. Um, net yes. so that's actually what they have to pay back and you're just going like do you think either of these teams are going to spunk like 100 million euros on Pulisic because Chelsea bought him for 60 mm. so they're going to sell him for a lot more than that he's still got three years left in his contract yeah, of course so yeah. like 80 million pounds is the absolute bare minimum they're going to let that motherfucker go for uh, that's what about Fucking 90, 95 million euros. It's such an inane question as well because, like, it's it's it's, usually, it's a question that anybody with any knowledge of what's gone on in football over the last two months would not have asked. Yeah, and this is my point about football journalism. It's like, who are these people that they fucking goldfish? Like that is a pure clickbait question. Yeah, there is no way that the journalist, inverted commas who asked that question, knew what was going on. It's like, oh, we've got reports out of Spain. No, you don't. You fucking don't. Barcelona can't pay their own players. They were they couldn't muster up three million quid that it would have taken to get Garcia off City. And even mm-hmm. then, they still had to ask Garcia, oh, by the way, do you mind paying for free until the end of the fucking season? Because we don't have them. Because apparently Barcelona paid their players in like... Six month trunks, yeah. We yeah, were talking six about last week. Tranches, yeah. And they couldn't do it the last tranche. So they can't pay their own players. Well, clearly, you have 100 million in reserve. It's going to come from. Yeah. Like, 
I love you. You're so angry you can't even articulate it. I want to know, give Chelsea, anyone in the press team, what? give us the name and address of the person who asked this question. Like, what are they fucking thinking? Like, what, Real? What are they going to do? Straight swap for Hazard? <laughs> mm. No, because he's like 10 stone overweight because he's eating so much fucking pasta. He's actually eating most of Real Madrid. Oh my God, he's so fat. Like, it's hilarious. It's actually quite, it is actually quite funny. It is kind of funny. I hate Hazard. Not the best of times. But he is quite fat. Um, but, like, it's no, it's just, like, you look at this shit and, like, that's such a clickbaity question. Like, Tuchel, like, funnily enough, like, Klopp's getting a lot of shit recently because he's shooting down a lot of journalists' questions. Like, there's the mm. whole Israeli journalist question where the Israeli journalist asked him, was like, you know, this season's over. Is it just top four for Liverpool? And Klopp just went, like, no, nah, nah, you know, I don't give a fuck about this shit. Because mm. apparently being asked if Liverpool are only top four really triggers him. Um, but they don't take into account that, like, Klopp's mother recently died of COVID and yeah. because of the restrictions he can't go home for the funeral so like you're, you're asking a man who's been forced to miss his own mother's funeral if his team like isn't up for a top four like March <laughs> is your team mentally ready for the battle like, ahead it's like yeah, mate, fuck- what the fuck do you think yeah, what, what hazard of fucking motherfucker you don't and I want the same way like I know Tuchel's never going to do this, but I really wish he'd turn around to that journalist and gone, but what money? Really? Barcelona and Real are going to, they're going to sign Pulisic? But what money? They can't muster up three million quid to get Garcia off City. Mm. And even then, he had to work for free for half a year. What do you think we're going to charge for Pulisic? You know? Barcelona's still owe fucking Liverpool £35 million for fucking Coutinho. Mm. Do you really think they're going to sign Pusilic? What, what, what? Are Liverpool going to turf that money over just as a good, as a, as a, you know, a nice gift to their good friends? No, they're yeah. fucking not. But the, you know, the, the, the actual bizarre thing about this is, like, these are questions that being, that's been asked by, like, actual print journalists. You know, the people who actually have, like, degrees in journalism Here's and jobs in papers. They're proper print journalists. They're not trolls. It's not clickbait. Well, it is clickbait, but not as we know it. But it's them trying to compete with clickbait. But it's That's the problem. Like, who in their right mind? Like, you'd want to have the memory of a fucking goldfish to think that Barcelona or Real could sign Pulisic. It's not. Like, it's it, no, it, it's, it's also that. It's, it's lacking a fundamental knowledge of you, what you're talking about as well. Absolutely, like, like you yeah. would have had, you would need to have no knowledge about the whole sport of football for the last three months to think that that was possible. It's mm. oh my god, it's just I read that and I was just like, fuck off. Please tell me Tuchel told him to fuck right off. He didn't, of course. But my god, like if I was Tuchel in that position, I would like leave. You're never coming back here. Yeah. I would have literally, I would have literally turned around and went, "Get out!" That was your last question ever here. I'm going to personally see to it that you never get in here, like into the press area, ever again, to ask a ridiculous, stupid fucking question again. Those two clubs 
are in such financial doldrums that they might not fucking exist in two years' time. And you're mm. telling me if they're going to poach what's one of our best players? But that's the, like, literally, they only asked the question because obviously that, that person thought, oh, you're not playing him enough. He's going to go somewhere else. It's like, where? Where could he possibly go? Where? Point to me on the map, like fucking Carmen San Diego. Like, where even, can he go? Like, even Neymar, even Neymar has killed his back to Barcelona bullshit yeah. because he's realized they don't have the money to pay him. <laughs> and that man's as mercenary as they fucking get. Yeah. Like it, it is, it, it is just a case of like this is why like like <laughs> this is why you have sites like the Athletic that are behind the pay subscription. They're literally they've just taken they have saved like actual journalists from the print who are like dying a, a slow death at the hands of like the internet of misinformation. It's like if you're li- I'm not gonna lie, lads, right? If you're a print journalist and you're losing a battle of wits with the sport bible, <laughs> look. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm not gonna take the moral high ground. Your lowest here. common denominator, right? Fucking, fucking there, Lord. Like, come on. This is literally. You, you've literally lost the battle of clicks through like a FIFA fail montage, and you've written this beautifully crafted, like high highbrow analysis of the Chelsea team and why Pulisic might be a, a, a lose fit. You could have done that. That could have been part of your questioning. Like, yeah, that's where true. Where Pulisic would have worked. It would have worked. It would have worked. It wouldn't worked. But no, you went for like, is he going to Barcelona? It's like. Who the fuck are you? are you? Are you from the sport bible? I told you to leave twice. And you're still <laughs> fucking here. Out. Or whatever it is in German. I don't know. But nevertheless. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's what winds me up as well. Because Klopp gets those stupid answers all the time. Or stupid questions all the time. And it is like, it, it, there is like one every press conference. And like, he literally just like swaps it off going, shut up. <laughs> like, he literally just goes like, that's a stupid question. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> like I think he, he did actually respond to like someone from the mail I think with like well stupid answer stupid question gets a stupid answer next yeah. question and like yeah. you know what? I'm actually happy and him and Guardiola does all the time actually Guardiola corrects the journalist on his own information half the time mm. and like you know what? I'm actually happy I'm glad that he does that because it actually shows you how inept the journalist is at his actual job you know when the person that you're questioning knows more about this than you do and you're the inquisitor that should say a lot mate that oh, tells you you're failing at your job. Anyway, um, so uh, unfortunately, Burkwell had to leave because of uh, appetite reasons. So um, <laughs> she, she pulled up with a uh, hamstring injury. Uh, let's, just, <laughs> let's just pretend. Let's just make a contrive a story. So uh-huh. um, I, 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 well, like, when I flip a coin to decide what her cod was. Um, Here you go for you. Okay, right, fine. Um, so what was your cod, Neil, in that case? Mine would have been... No, mine would have been hers. Like it's the FA. Yeah, you can't look. You can't pick against the FA. They're just they're they're grotesque people. Grotesque beings. Yeah, not fit for purpose. Mm. Okay, let's see what she goes for herself. (gasps) Going for heads over. uh, So the head. Which which one do you want? Do you want heads or tails? I'll go ahead, actually, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, all right, fine, fine. Oh, wait, right, you're going to flip the coin again. Fuck you. No, oh, it's heads. There you go. She, she yeah. voted for you. She got print journalism is in Bert Watt's view there. Because um, I was actually going to go for the FA as well in that ah. regard. Uh, obviously, the Roy Keane thing was just me being bitter over a, a very rough week of Liverpool. But nevertheless, like the, the FA stuff is just a tragedy in and of itself. You know, it, it, it's, it's actually, you know what? It's not a tragedy. It's just like them reverting to the mean that they actually didn't yeah. give a shit in the first place. They do see it as like the seventh or eighth like rank competition, and they have no interest in bumping it up at all. 
there's no incentive there. There's no program. They just went like, oh, pandemic. Thank fuck. We don't have to care about women's football anymore. Oh, got word there for a second. <laughs> That's literally what it was. And that is so fucking depressing. Like, you wonder why, like, English teams get, like, trounced and poached by, like, French and German teams that are actually treated with some form of respect by their country. That's This is why. Like, come on. Um, but, yes, nevertheless, the FA is our COD. Um, and uh, we will leave it there until the next time we vote them in as CODs for the same reasons, I'm sure. Absolutely. But, uh, but that's our podcast, lads. Again, a number of jumbo, jumbo sides want to keep you uh, saved over for the next few weeks. Um, when we come back, we'll have more to talk about. Uh, the Champions League will have wrapped up-ish by that point, around the 16. So we'll have more to talk about on that. Uh, and obviously, Man City's uh, inevitable um, Thanos-esque uh, run to the Premier League will be complete. So yeah, we'll all absolutely. be celebrating them. They're still on track for the quadruple, but it will have ended by the time we get back. Yes, exactly. It'll have been done. They will have just been awarded everything because they, were, <laughs> they, they won by default. And, and that's they'll still hate UEFA. Exactly. <laughs> and UEFA, as a peace offering, gave them the Champions League. Just went like, no, no, you, you wanted to get rid of us and we paid you off. I mean, what? No, we did not. Cut the camera, cut the camera. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, lads, thanks very much for listening if you made it to the end. Um, if so, by all means, follow us on Spotify for the uh, next installment, whenever that may be. And uh, if you're interested in more of our content, then please subscribe to us on YouTube, where we do tons of uh, video gaming content and others. Uh, Neil has his uh, weekly review series, for example. So mm-hmm. that's something to look forward to in that regard. And if you want to keep up, uh, keep track of everything we do, we are at Monday Madness LP on Twitter. So by all means, give us a follow there. But... For now, for myself, for Neil, and the absent Burke bots currently getting looked over on the uh, injury bench, that has been Liberal Football.